Here's to you, dear listeners, and welcome back to another episode of Metal Gear Monday's Revengeance, where you'll find some of your favorite conversations around Metal Gear and Kojima-related content delivered to you through tactical podcast action. I'm your host, Warren Minix, and with me, as always, is a drunk Russian man who is stuffed in a barrel. Chris Hampton, how we doing, man? Back on this shit again, huh? Yeah. Yeah, we might hear this again. And of course, also joined with us is someone who, for some reason, is always on a horse and scolds us as if she knows better, but it's probably because she actually knows better. Miss Tori Cortez, how are we doing? Why did you come back here? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we're doing this one again, huh, guys? Yeah. One more again. We got yeah, here. So. Somehow. If, if anything, we're getting a lot of practice. So, long story short, guys, we had some audio concerns was my and fault we yeah we did not have a uh a, num- a proper number six for you guys and we did not want to shortchange you so we are burning the midnight oil to get this in time and on time for you guys with that being said we are talking about the we just defeated the end we are going to leave that boss fight and we're going to go all the way through Groznygrad until we fight the sorrow in the river so we are doing another story-focused episode with some gameplay. Before we get started on that bit, though, Chris, is there anything you'd like to talk about before we get started? Uh, yeah, just shouts out to Matt, our audio editor, as always. Thank you for killing it. Um, big shout out to Shala 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 Shaska Shala Shaska Moose, who at the time of this recording which is later than the recording of episode eight that you'll hear later on <laughs> yeah. in the season, because now we're all out. But um, yeah, at the time of this recording, he's rejoined our Patreon community. So welcome back. We're happy to have you in the discord uh, yeah. where we're so happy to see that he's back playing our game of the month for this month, September. And that is, um, what game is that? It's kind of an indie title. I've never heard of it. Oh, yeah. It's like a real low budge. Uh, not really like a big studio made it or anything. It's a uh, Chrono Trigger for the Super Nintendo. Made by a little company called Square. I guess Square Soft at that time. I didn't know they made soft squares. I know, right? <laughs> you can't even tell. <laughs> and Tori, what do you have for us? Yes, well, in addition to our... Uh, random patron shout out of the episode i do have a 150 word message to read we haven't had one of those in a while uh thanks to jason sharniak as i understand it right nice that's good okay yeah zarniak zarniak sharniak i don't know sorry i butchered it both ways i'm sure jason cz yo jason anyway his message is as follows The Metal Gear Mondays community has been a continuous source of inspiration and support. Getting to know everybody and seeing all the cool stuff they are doing with a true DIY spirit has reawakened the creative, excuse me, creative side in me that has been dormant for quite some time. To which I said, same. Since joining the Discord, sorry, that part was me editorializing. (laughs) Same. I agree with you, Jason. Big same. 
Since joining the Discord, I've began to record music again, brushed up on my video, audio, image editing skills, dabbled in improv, and started a Twitch channel with my wife. And then Jason says, shameful plug here. I don't think it's a shameful plug, Jason. I think, I it's, think, so I think it's warranted at this point. So you can find Jason and his wife, Allie, at twitch.tv slash Allie versus Jason. That's A-L-L-Y-V-S-J-A-S-O-N. Every step of the way you we I'm sorry, every step of the way you have been cheering me on and I can't thank you enough. Very excited for the direction the show is heading. Keep up all the hard work you're putting into this amazing podcast. Honestly though, you've played the game for a long time. Don't you have anything else to do with your time? I can't and, wait till we get to the game where it's ba-da-ba-da, ba-da-ba-da, Yeah, ba-da-ba-da, no kidding. Like the weird <laughs> Uh I just want to say again, thank you for the kind words, Jason. Um Yeah, Jason, you're the man, dude. I, uh, it's, it's really easy to cheer on everybody in the discord community because everybody in the discord community is really creative and kind and encouraging of others. So it's, uh, it's a really good breeding ground for fun, creative space. Oh yeah. Agreed. We're I just so. hod- hodgepodge in there, aren't we? Sure enough. <laughs> there's drawing, there's skating, there's... What isn't video there? Video games. There's editing. There's video. There's movies. They're showing there's off. Of they're there. showing off your sweet, mm-hmm. sweet duds. Oh yeah. What, mm-hmm. what kind of food you're making? There's room for everybody here. Please, please come join us. Agreed. Got some milk for you. Yeah. You can the do so at uh, Shameless Plug. <laughs> Shame- <sighs> Chris, Chris Hampton, the Milkman. <laughs> you can do so at uh, Patreon.com/slash Metal Gear Mondays for just a buck a month. Exactly, at least. If you want to give us more, give us more. It's not a big deal. Oh, that'd be great. And we'll gladly, you know, incentivize that. Feel free to read through and get us going. One of those is that we get to read off a random patron. Woo! And this is where we get to Tori Cortez, MGMR, ASMR. Still sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Yeah, it's real subtle. Babbling Brook. Water over Babbling Brook. All right. Well, now that I've done that for a few seconds... It looks like this patron of the week is Charity Gage. Wow. Hey. Hi. Charity. Hi, Charity. Joined, uh, it looks like almost a year ago, joined the Discord um, and Patreon. And I know she hopped on for Death Stranding and mm. at the time was streaming a bit of Death Stranding of her own, which was really awesome to watch. Talk about uh, encouraging of everybody's creativity. Um, I also got to hop in on a couple other streams of charities on twitch um i think she played nice. it was uh oh shoot don't tell me heavy rain heavy rain is what she played and it was oh that's a good game yeah that's it was game. that's one that i feel like i i might play on my own but i also would probably feel more inclined to watch somebody else play and uh, i really enjoyed checking out your stream of that game charity so um yeah Come on back and, and talk with us and start streaming some more if you got the time. I'd love to catch up with you. Yeah, for sure. Great. Thanks for uh, sharing. I watched a bit of that Death Stranding stuff and helped me a few times figure out a few of those puzzles that I just <laughs> not... Those hills, yeah, you know, right? that just are a little too high sometimes. <laughs> right? Anyway. Don't be so serious, Chris. Thanks again for your patronage, Charity. And then I, do you want to give a little quick catch up? Because I know you were catching up on your pacifist survivalist. Oh, yeah. You don't have to, but I know, you know, there were a few people that were asking, like, how's that run going? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
I uh, so at this point in time, at this re-record, I am still uh, working on that pacifist run. It's a little bit harder <laughs> than just your run and gun type play. Um, that is fantastic. But up at up at, until this point of the game, I was able to make use of that crop croc cap that you find back at uh, like right after the swamp, I think, or in the swamp ish. It's like in the swamp. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, for the first time, maybe ever, I actually put this thing to use and it helped a lot in evading the guards of the next couple portions of the game after that. Um, so I wanted to give an update on that. I, I felt like less of a noob in doing that. Um, nice. I know my biggest my biggest problem in almost every pacifist run has been the warehouse because at this point in time I usually run out of suppressor for that Mark Twenty Two, and finally, finally, fortunately for me, I found another suppressor because I was I pulled my head out of my ass basically and looked around me in the warehouse, or maybe it was before <laughs> the warehouse. I don't know. I found I found two I think at this point. So getting through that warehouse was a lot easier. Uh, let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see. Gained a couple new items this playthrough. I heard Chris mention this earlier. The Sig Gas Spray I found and utilized a lot. And nice. the uh, handkerchief that you put... Uh, what is that drug that puts people to sleep real quick? Chloroform? It's like a chloroform, chloroform. handkerchief, basically. Yeah. Yeah, it's basically knockout. Shift. Yeah, that stuff comes <laughs> in real handy because I know also the last episode, I, I'm pretty sure I was complaining about the scientists and how they always spot oh, me. Yeah. Just oh, give course. them a little sick gas spray, give them a little chloroform. They're out, baby. Yeah, it's, it's bedtime. Shoot. It's bedtime. Yep. Other than that, um, the fear, uh, I'd, I had a much better strategy this time, thanks to Warren and Chris. Uh, I threw out some poisonous mushrooms for him to eat. And uh, I took advantage of his vomiting to just get a couple shots in. So that made that battle go yeah. a lot more smoothly. The grossest wet mouth sounds ever. Oh, no, let's not. Let's not recall that. <laughs> I almost listen. We almost escaped that Warren, and then you had to bring it back. If there's an opportunity to bring up wet mouth sounds, I'm going to no. do it every time. Okay. Oh, moving, Lord. Okay. Well, moving right along. <laughs> it's been great working with you guys. Right along. Okay. Let's see. Uh, so I I haven't finished the battle with the end on Pacifist Run, but mm. I do know that uh, I was much too reliant on the directional mic, and I should have been utilizing other things like uh, sonar and um, just generally moving around more. Honestly, I was really far too hesitant in my first playthrough of this, so... I don't know. I'll keep you guys updated once I get past this guy. Nice. And I'll say, by the time we get to the end of this, we're going to do a listener response. It's a very common thing we do on MGM. So when we, we go by season, by the end of the season, we like to do a big wrap up where you guys get a chance to send in. And if we get too many, we, we'd have to kind of make it work. But we like to get them all in. So that way, if you have any questions about even just the show, if you want to talk about the game, if you want to bring up anything, we do a listener response episode at the end of the season, and you can reach out at contact at MetalGearMondays.com to do that. We will constantly remind you guys as it's going, but we want to start getting this out now, so that way, if you're trying to get through a playthrough or you really have a question of how you 
you know, maybe we didn't mention something you wanted to hear back in episode four. This is the time to do it. With that said, guys, what are we thinking? Ready to move on? I'm ready for this ladder bus. All right. What ready is for the ladder bus. <laughs> so we finished this fight with the end and the trees sort of let us walk into this tunnel, right? We walk through the tunnel and we see a ladder. We see a ladder. And uh, I guess you just climb up. Quick little climb. Shouldn't be that much of a problem. And for some reason, a, a song starts playing. I don't think it's a very important song to the to the movie or the game or anything. It's yeah, just some rando. It's just filler, you know, something. really. But uh, how do we feel about Ladder Boss, guys? Ladder Boss is Ladder Boss. It's iconic. You can't you can't question Ladder Boss. It just needs to be there. Maybe my favorite it boss because Ladder Boss is also meditation boss. Mm, right. So what I do love about this this ladder boss and in general the song that is accompanied with it, it it's always it's still funny. I still laugh every time. But two things. One, I can't climb a ladder in a video game if it's longer than like two or three seconds. I have to start singing the song. Like it's just in my muscle memory. And I love the notoriety that this has now. Like this did not have to be in the game. And I absolutely love that we have to hear this song. And the thing I do like, and I believe we had talked about this, the the pacing of the game is really good as far as you might have a lot of like really aggressive moments where it's a lot of gameplay and a lot of other parts happening. But then you have like a moment of respite, right? You mm -hmm. have this long moment of taking your time and you have to basically think about what you did in the game. Yeah. Now you go and, to your ladder and think about what you've done. <laughs> right, right. And I, it sounds silly, but we, it is kind of that halfway point of the game. It really does feel almost right there. If you try to look at look at each each piece as far as gameplay, yeah, this is yeah. right smack in the middle of like that time that it takes to play the game, and I love it. This yeah. is so good. <laughs> I re I really like that it, the game forces this on you. You know, mm -hmm. it's it's uh, it's it's all the things you said. You know, Warren Tory. Uh, this is a moment of reflection, and in an action game. It's super risky, I think, to put this big pause moment, you know? Sure. Oh, definitely. Some of Kojima's no ideas are just, like, crazy, and I'm sure this was one of them that he probably got a few eyebrows raised at when he was like, "This is I want I to put a ladder <laughs> in the a middle really, of the game. really, really big ladder. Yeah. <laughs> um, but why not, right? Yeah. I mean, it's a great idea. I love... I don't know. I love it. It's it's probably one of the best boss fights in the game. If I, had <laughs> I guess. To rank it. <laughs> boss if I had fight. to rank it. I uh, and did a little stream of uh, consciousness note taking here, and I just wanted to read off a couple lines that I came up with because to me they were amusing. You might disagree, but uh, the first line was obviously I love this song so much here, and especially since it's a cappella, right? It's just mm. a nice. It gives that right atmosphere that you need for this moment of isolation oh, and solitude and then i think oh snake wow snake really has like a thousand years right now to reflect on the mission so far oh and and so do i and then i start thinking god how many bodies 
have I taken so far? And then right at that moment, Snake's stomach starts to belch a little bit. And so I go into my pause (laughs) menu and I feed him. And I think about how many more bodies are being taken and consumed in this process. And then basically I come back and that's the end of Ladder Boss. And I go, well, fuck it. Here we go. Yeah, (laughs) let's get going. Yeah. We make our way to the top. Oh, go ahead, Chris. Well, I think that's interesting, you know, the the different body counts in the sense of like, well, yeah, I Chris Hampton's got a big body count going already. <laughs> but uh indeed he does. Also body counts in the sense of like all the critters you have to kill and so on and you know, that's sure, not sure. easy. Yeah, it's a big part of the game, and and that's why I wanted to start a pacifist and like minimalist file was because I realized that in previous playthroughs I had been far too reliant upon just filling up my stockpile of food, and then my food would go rotten. And I thought, well, fuck, how wasteful that that animal died for. No- and I know this is like this is digital, right? Yeah. Excuse me, this is digital. These animals aren't real, but it you know when you're playing through a game that simulates life to the extent that snake eater does, where it forces you to really make these decisions, I thought, shit, there's a better way I can be playing this. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Like That's kind of the point of it. Being more efficient, you mean, or right. And, and, you know, not killing animals just to collect them and maybe have the chance of eating them later, but only killing an animal so much as I know it's going to serve me in the near future. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Only yeah. keeping it so far as I know I'm going to need a meal in the next couple of screens or in the next, you know, 30 minutes of play or whatever. And not just stockpiling those animals that you because you can you can collect as many pieces of food as is possible to carry on. And you can get through quite a bit of the game. But if you put the game down for a while, like I had a tendency to do. Um, I would come back and there would be flies and maggots in the food as if to, you know, the little fly icon to suggest it's rotted. Mm -hmm. And I started thinking about how often I would see that and go, damn, I'm, I'm really being wasteful in this game. This game is trying to tell me that I'm being wasteful. Mm. That was deep. Damn it. Snake, get the fuck stuff. (laughs) Yeah, that exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So, we make our way to the top of the ladder, yep. and we are now at the mountain base. Now, Krasnogorye? Krasnogorye. Would that be accurate? Yeah, Krasnogorye. Uh, okay, Chris's so Russian lesson. Ru- by bad Russian lesson for today <laughs> is, uh, so Krasnogorye means Red Ridge Mountains. So mm. this is Red Ridge Mountains Mountain Base. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Now, what's cool about this area, though, I, I actually, it's another twist on the terrain. I, I love how we're not seeing a lot of the same thing over and over mm-hmm. again. So we went from lush forests and, you know, trench warfare, essentially all this kind of stuff. But now we are really windy, really high alpine ascent mountain base. We're actually about to get into trench warfare. Oh, I can't wait. Mm-hmm. And it's all sandy, so I don't know about you guys. I was rocking the animals camo, as long as which I did could. a pretty good job. I so I realized at the last recording, I remember telling you guys 
I started out with animal camo, uh, camo and then had to change out of it. And I couldn't remember why it was because I got shot a bunch and bled on it. And I remembered the tip from, uh, major zero and Sigint and everybody saying, Oh, well, if you just take off your camo and change to another one, that'll clean the blood right up. <laughs> yeah. So from that, I, it works. I changed to desert tiger, I think was the next one. Yeah, that's a good one, too. I think it's only like five points, five index points down from Animal. Yeah. Still pretty solid. Yeah. But uh, did anybody else? I mean, I just did my little crawl, avoid the spiders, kind of avoid the vultures. I don't they didn't really bother me too much. So and I was just popping people. I was waiting for their little heads to pop up because there's a lot mm -hmm. of cool ridges and things where you could sort of hide and the just terrain. lay flat. The train is great. It's really good. And you can actually like miss guards yes. because they're like indented into the terrain. So you might accidentally just run right into one. Yeah. But I, you I just my gameplay like is the, so slow. little heads, like raisins yeah, just or something. A little, yeah. And I, <laughs> I crawled the, the entire way. Yeah. I crawled the entire way. So I never ran into any of them. But I do like how they're starting to put more enemies so these and areas have three and four and too. five guard. Yes, which is great. And there's ways to still sneak around them. You have the guys that are always planted right. that are just sort of overseeing the ridge. So you have to stay far out towards the edge if you want to avoid his vision. I like that stuff. And it, it's so, an interesting progression in the game. But yeah, go ahead, of, speaking of like uh, new terrains and new places to look, this was the first time that I really thought, well, shit, I am going to rely on all of the things in my menu as much as I can. And this is when I pulled out the scopes and just like yes. tagged everybody's position as much as I could. And I found those little raisin heads in the distance. And then I looked up and to the right and I saw one, I think with the, a sniper rifle, either a sniper rifle or like an RPG or some projectile, something that could get me from afar. And I was like, oh, fuck, good to know that's where he is. And, you know, I would scan yeah. out for the vultures and then I unequipped the binos and I went ahead and... uh tranquilized a vulture just so i could say i, I ate one and they're yeah. they're okay by the way snakes like he's fine with them yeah um and they don't care about anything you can keep shooting shooting bullets like crazy and yeah. they just still hang out and eat on the corpses yeah man okay yeah i have a thing to say about that <laughs> later too uh sure. you're not wrong but yeah otherwise through here through most of this or at least this section, I used a lot of shrapnels and a lot of chaffs to make sure they couldn't radio out. Oh, I'm sorry, oh, a lot sure. of shrapnel gra grenades. Um, so just regular-ass grenades. And then um, the M63, of course, is my favorite because, as we have talked about fondly, Warren, when you hold down on the fire button for, I don't know, a couple seconds or more, Snake starts this ridiculous yell this uh yeah <laughs> it's just it's something you can't not trigger if you have the potential to yeah yeah so when you make your way to the mountain side so we were at the mountain base we're making our way to the mountain side and we're starting to continue our climb and first off i love the now they're adding you know we were talking about verticality in previous portions of this story I love the, there's so many lines of sight in yeah. this section and future sections where there's a guy coming out of a depot who's in a trench, but then he walks up a set of stairs and maybe hangs out by the edge to look over. There's so many different 
routes you sort of have to dodge or hide behind something or honestly just stay in the trenches if you have to oh yes just to do mm -hmm. it um other than finding the rpg7 which is right fucking dope um i did do a little bit i i definitely i hate killing things i've been trying to be mr sandman but the hovercraft guys i just put them to sleep and watch them die when they collapse. i don't think that counts <laughs> as your kill count though if you tranquilize them that's still not you when ending we get them, to sort um, of. when we get to a boss fight later you'll they count is that they definitely not all really i didn't yeah, think I'll, i saw explain. any of them <laughs> now what i did like is i was having a lot of fun sniping here because i did have the svd7 oh so yeah being you able to were, take someone out one really one far that out that, that i know would be a problem later that was like a really great way to do it did anybody else have any interesting or fun ways i'm i almost wanted to like punch like do a one two three to kick a guy like off the cliff just because mm. but i didn't want to kill him so i i did the the normal boring hide sandman do my thing so how did everybody else do chris did you have uh you're on mute right now by the way but did you have any oh. uh strategy you relied on here my strat was um you know take the m37 <laughs> and go to town you know i'm shotgun willy in this playthrough you have absolutely doubled down on that and i uh i'm here for it i'm supporting you yeah so i think you know the get what you get up through the area with the trenches and so on um this area is actually really advantageous to use the shotgun though no joke because you know sure you're in a trench sure. there's you just kind of point and click with that um yep. and if you're not doing like a pacifist playthrough or anything like that i would highly recommend just using that um there's have we gotten to the helicopter yet uh the, you have the potential to, to here it. definitely um can i can i say my piece on the trenches uh, just to yeah. give another perspective before we get to helicopter yeah yeah. Go for it. Okay. Uh, so on the opposite end of the spectrum, Chris, <laughs> Mr. Chris, <laughs> Mr. Mr. Shotgun, um, mm -hmm. my favorite thing about this part of the mountain and onward is the foxholes that give you the little, um, the little badger tunnels that you could crawl through and the little foxholes that contain like grenades and sometimes um, healing items. So the great thing about these is on a not pacifist run, uh, you can just fucking square up in here and wait for the guards to come get you if you've accidentally alerted them, which is great because, you know, they show up at the doorway and you've got the advantage there, which of course reminds me of uh, Inglorious Bastards. You guys might oh, know, yeah. you might know the moment I'm referring to the... Uh, you don't fight in a basement for a lot of reasons. One of them being you're in a fucking basement. <laughs> <laughs> and I think the guards from this game should have learned that a long time ago. Because once you get me in a foxhole with an AK or an M63, oh man, it's just, oh, it's so good. It's so good to utilize oh, yeah. those. You're done. Oh, damn, Skippy. Yeah. And what I'll do is I'll I'll say we're progressing through. And we, there are some food storage and some medical supply spots. We can blow them up if we'd like. We'll get to the mountain top. So the last of the screens before we get to our next story bit. 
and there's a medical supply there. There's a lot of munitions up here. You can get the splitter camo up here. Mm -hmm. But this is where we have almost the most fun, I guess, where yeah, you could choose to for sure. really wreck house with your sniper. You can scope. You take those sweet-ass guns, and you can shoot down a high D. High D? Do you, go, do you guys go for the Ooh, high D? Chris, that was good. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I of course. totally take that motherfucker down every single time. Yeah, so this is where Snake, in, in my playthrough, this is the, we call this chapter, Snake Goes to War. Um, <laughs> so there's lots of RPGs flying around, lots of explosions. Boom, 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 boom. I blew up both of the munitions depots nice. um, in these areas. And taking out that helicopter is just so satisfying. It, it is, isn't it? It absolutely so is. So do yeah. you, when you take it out, my... Usually my tried and true method is hopping on one of those turrets, aiming for the blade spinning at the top. Mm -hmm. And just, it usually takes, I don't know, a few seconds of, of sustained trigger pulling. Yeah. And yeah. then it goes down after a few, right? Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not a one shot, one kill kind of situation. Oh, definitely no. But it is, it's fun to do when you can pull it off. When you don't have guards shooting at you from other areas, by the way, because that does pose... A challenge. Oh yeah, but this is it is great. I, this whole this whole little Krasnogorye nice. section is really great. I I really love. There's like it's awesome how many different places you can hide and and get the jump on anyone and still have someone like over your shoulder catch you, dude. Those but you those know, trenches are that. also forgiving. So my sure when I was doing the pacifist run, I gotta say I had a lot more fun not doing the pacifist run. But when I was doing the pacifist run, those trenches, uh, excuse me, good Lord, those trenches are very forgiving. You can, sure. if you apply, I'm sorry, uh, equip words. Oof. Application. Listen, you guys, listen. Install. Yeah. <laughs> listen, we are two days out from the day I've been planning for a year and a half. <laughs> My this, brain the day of my daughter's wedding is no longer a thing that is working. Come anyway, on. once I'm you equip the AP sensor, yeah, 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 it's definitely. Just, Do you use it's the so, AP sensor? I this is the only place I regularly use it because huh. it's a great when I'm, place. When I'm crawling out it. of a tunnel and into into the open trench, I want to know if somebody's walking up above me and can see me. Mm -hmm. So sure. when I know the AP sensor is beeping rapidly, beep, 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 then it's not a good time to climb out. But that guard walks away and the beeps slow down. And yeah, I can get out there and then just trank him a second later. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's some real strategy. And this is when I feel my fucking coolest, when I'm just trudging through these trenches. It reminds yeah, yeah. me of uh, Death Stranding in a lot of ways. Ooh. Just yeah. saying. Just saying, Zol. Hideo Kojima I loves these like trenches. The foothill area at the beginning of this, before you start the ascent, uh, that's kind of like death straining is kind of what Kojima had in mind for that area. Yeah. Right. It feels and if like the it. technology had been available, you know, we would have had this like, kind of like walking sim experience through mm -hmm. that area, which would have been probably pretty sweet. Right. Yeah. Oh, definitely. 
I, but, that's one of the reasons I think I would love to see this game in particular remade using oh a modern engine because can will of it like into existence, guys. The desire to go really deep experientially is uh is is pretty evident here. Yeah. Absolutely. So we get through the area and we have to get into the mountaintop ruins. So we find a door on like the northeast corner and we are welcome to a cutscene. We are sneaking in and we run into our favorite spy, Miss Eva. And she is uh, sporting her sexy outfit. Hello. She's got her she's got her little sexy music coming in. Little saxophone going on. And the thing that confuses me is they they draw attention to the boots and she like kicks the boots underneath as if to say, we don't know. She's also Tatiana. Yeah. <laughs> like I just, it feels a little handholdy. It like is when. Yeah, that is when uh, all of the things that Kojima feels it's necessary to document become a little bit yeah. much. You know, like we we could have gotten that on our own. There, what other blonde ladies do we see strutting through the jungle? Just those two. Pretty much, yeah. And the boss. Oh yeah, shit. Ooh. <laughs> oh, whoops, <yeah>. shit. <laughs> also, uh, I guess Adam is a well, blondie. You, sorry, Adam's a blonde lady. He well, he's a blondie, but uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you catch him at the right angle. Man's got curves. Okay, he looks great. Right, he he's obviously is, working out. He's taking he's care a, of himself. He's a pretty man. He's a looker. Yeah, he's a looker. He's got a good profile. Absolutely. So I like this conversation a lot. Actually, this um, this entire dynamic of the two of them having a conversation. There's a few things that happen in this. So first off, I'll call it out. My wife's favorite line in this video game, and actually all of Metal Gear is in this, where he notices the scars on her back. And they sort of have a talk about it. And he says that he has scars all over. That was like her <laughs> first line ever hearing Metal Gear Solid. And I was trying to explain to her that the voice acting is good in these games. And she heard that line almost was like her first experience. <laughs> and she was like, these are the dumbest fucking games I've ever heard I'm in my life. I'm the same. Scars all over. <laughs> I felt so bad. She loves them for what they are. But like that was her first taste of like good, quote unquote, good voice acting. And she was like, this is the dumbest shit I've ever seen in I my mean, life. That's why you see David Hayter still quoting them all over the place because it is so dumb true. and he can own it and it's great. But it's interesting though. They like she's talking about her scars and normally it's one of those that happens a lot in like action movies. But she tries to play off like one of her scars and he says like no 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 that's way older than that. So he's trying to like learn more about her. She's clearly being standoffish to still hide her her quote unquote true identity because we still don't know who she actually is right because he says that scar is older than the repercussions than when of you defecting defected. right this conversation with eva I, I really there's a lot of little bits that are fun so we're talking about the scars i love she sort of pushes him about the boss right she she kind of picks on him a little bit to be like so do you love her and he goes into the you know we had talked about it previously but he doesn't owe. he says he owes half his life to her and there was like a, a, a math equation we did there where we're like, wow, she really met him like at exactly half his age. So I thought maybe he meant like I've known her half my life. But he actually says like uh, I owe half my life. Like he feels like she's his other half sort of a thing, which I like that. But I love that she pushes back like, well, then do you hate her? Like this is your enemy. What are you going to do about this? And 
it's it's an interesting dichotomy. Like they have a good little conversation about it. Right. And you can tell they're like pushing the buttons because the boss sort of does that to him as well. Like the mission has to get completed. I don't care if I'm at the end of it. Right. She is sort of leading towards that as we go through. Where where do the boss's loyalties lie? Yes. I have a feeling we'll find out. Eventually, yeah. Here's hoping. Maybe it'll happen towards the end of this game. We'll see. Here's hoping. Uh, one thing but, I do want to—I I don't want to leave this conversation without mentioning—the fact that Eva can, in one second, dismiss Snake's question about her scar that's obviously too old to have occurred at the time she said it did, and and the next say, "Well, what about you? What what's up with you and the boss?" And he just like instantly is like hooked hooked into it she yep knows how to manipulate his emotions and and his experience of this mission because for him there's no getting around the fact that he has to face her at the end like you were saying mm-hmm. Warren yeah and she's real Eva's really good man. she is good and, and she's a good spy have fooled him so far when when we as the player think it's really obviously it's Tatiana. She's Tatiana, obviously, right? Right. But she has snake fooled up until the moment that he gets to her later and and kind of spies on her with Sokolov. And he's like, Tatiana. And still at that point. Right. He doesn't and I guess know. We keep knocking Snake because it's really not showing the boots is for us. Not right. For Snake. Right. Right. So we already know because we get to see all the other things that are happening in this game where Snake is just in a fucking jungle somewhere. So it makes a lot more sense when you think about it as if you're playing the character, not the, you know, not the player. Let's put it that way. I don't know. I guess I I guess one thing I'll just never be able to get over is Tatiana slash Eva's disguise is just Clark Kent versus Superman. It's just glasses yeah. and slicking back the hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And well, a little bit, maybe a little bit more eyeshadow. You know, you gotta I think that's look part a little, of the camp little sad. Of it, you know. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. And, there are parts where James Bond like just puts on sunglasses. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's like his his uh, Saint jo- uh, Sinjin Smythe. I think it's like one of his stupid fucking names. <laughs> James Sinjin Smythe. Oh my god. Uh, so, yeah, I guess I'm just on. Yeah. I'm on the fence about camp like that. Sometimes I think it works in Metal Gear Solid, and sometimes I don't. And this is a moment. I guess I just don't sure. love it. I think it's probably there to remind you that you can never take this game too seriously. Yeah, that's a good yeah. point. And this part too, it's it's funny that you say that, Tori, because this is where I in in the notes that I put, this is where I really start to not fall for Eva, but I, I'm starting to. When like she's winning me over as a character, I'm like, shit, this chick is really good at being a spy and being on both sides of the fence and fooling everyone mm-hmm. always has what you need moving forward. And she didn't. It's one thing if she like was triple crossing and someone was like feeding her all the info she needs. She actually had to spy her way through this. Yes. Like we only learn way later and it was way late in the story that she maybe has some help. But she's been doing this all with her own sort of motivations where it's not like someone in the game is literally on base like helping her to make her look way better than she really is and that's why her her role in this is so impressive the fact that she's able to do all that and keep snake also a really good and well-trained spy from sniffing her out like that's impressive yeah Mm -hmm. oh definitely and we learn why later we definitely will talk about that in an episode um, so she also, we go through a lot of stuff. So she gives us some delicious noodles, 
which is great. Mm-hmm. And she does That's have the, tasty. The, the sexy line of, I bet if I kissed you, you taste like a wild beast. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I get oh, it. Oh, man. <laughs> but we also learn a lot, and we they're doing it again. They do that Grozny grad, that badass like intro. They do like the Mission Impossible thing of like, you know, if you want to try to break into this, you're a fucking idiot because there's <laughs> this many levels of security, and you're gonna have to do this and jump in. And yeah. there's you know like they do all this stuff, but it's it's really well done as far as like, oh, this is like the final level, right? Like it's just basically building up like. Everything you've learned, you better know how to utilize it in this place because guess what, bro? You're going to be allowed to play in this place that we're building up. This is like um, in the heist movie, you know, where they're planning the infiltration mm-hmm. and the the camera's like panning over like, here's the grate. You got to crawl mm-hmm. through and like the cameras. Mm-hmm. And- That's when I start oh, tuning in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so much fun. And, they, and they're picking apart and it's, and it's great. They also do a good job. So they talk about they put like another angle of like a ticking clock in front of us because she mentions that Khrushchev basically has wind of what's going on because we're starting to get to the crunch line of when Snake Eater needs to be completed. So we got seven days to do what we're doing. We don't really know exactly when we got in there versus how much time is left. But Khrushchev is over it and is already sending in like his own faction to like, fuck it, we're going to do our own thing and we'll take care of America later. So it's like an added element of like, naturally building up the the story with stakes and things like that moving forward and then we also get to meet fucking ivan rydenovich rykov we're going to wear that mask we're going to impersonate him because we need his colonel clearance to get into grozny grad the weapons lab when the time comes because he's the only one that shouldn't have it but does so we're going to fake being him and we're going to do our thing. Everybody cool with that? Yeah. Anything you want to talk about riding until we get to him? I ride Denevish. Oh, uh, so we're we're not going to talk about the uh, the fury on the way there. What's it? Oh no, no. This is just us. This is just the conversation. She's showing us how we're going to break in. Oh, gotcha. We're going to gotcha, get down. Gotcha. We're going to sneak okay. through the sewers. We're going to go up. We're going to act like we're him. Get into the weapons lab. So that we can get to the Shago Hot. Gotcha. So just seeing if we felt any certain ways about how it was told to us or anything. I actually legitimately love this like whole section. And I made a joke. My One of my notes was um, Eva's definitely earned a lot more than a kiss. If you ask me at this mm-hmm. point. Because she is really <laughs> getting you everywhere you need to go oh, in yeah. this game. Yeah. Which really is incredible. Does. Yeah. She says like, he, she's like, you got to get in through the basement. He's like, oh, well, Grandin already gave me a key. And she's like, that key isn't going to work. Like, <laughs> she's like, that's not. She's like, he's like, snake. Dummy. Yeah, he's like, I don't know, maybe he was drunk. Like, I don't know why he gave me this then. So so she gives you the right key, right? Like, she just has everything you need, and she's really doing a good job. Can I something of, about that, though? Yeah. What possible reason could there have been for Granin to give us a key that wasn't going to work? Like, why would Kojima or Kojima and company be writing that in? No uh, idea. I thought... I think the big thing was is that it got us through the warehouse and he just probably had more clearance than he thought he did because we kind of learn later that Volgan is sort of just an asshole as far as even his own people. Like he probably like Grandin probably did have access with that key not two weeks ago. But once they learned about Sokolov and threw him in the library mm. so he could just get drunk all the time, then they like re- they let him get out of the building and all that, but not into Groznygrad. OK, that is makes how sense. I took it. 
and maybe it would have worked and then it maybe it could have been a trap but i don't know granted doesn't strike me as someone that wanted to stop snake by the time we had had that conversation with yeah him. that's fair so, i just never understood like why why would he give us a key that we could ostensibly use yeah. and then eva's I like you dipshit why would you think more that? more espionage hmm. it's a double triple quadruple cross yeah that's the that was the interesting thing though it was like because Adam's very suspicious of Eva at the yeah, tail end of this cutscene here that we see, and uh, here, well, right. The, so mm-hmm. I'll I'll get us there because we're not there yet. Oh, I know where you are. Right. I'm gonna get us there. So we get through that. She John wicks her way like right down to the bottom <laughs> of Groznygrad. Like it's it, what we what takes us like 45 minutes. It takes her 11 <laughs> right? seconds. Jesus. Yeah. And the only reason why I had to stop you, Chris, is because. This moment right here is like a super important video game moment for me. And you get to walk out on the other side of the ruins and you just have that mountaintop where you where it's in engine overlooking the entirety of Groznygrad. Mm-hmm. And you're in snakes like it's actual in-game footage. It's not a cutscene or anything. So you actually get to watch. You pull out your binoculars. You get to look at everybody and you are zooming in, checking out stuff. And that's where we chime in and we see that. Volgan is just going to town on this like barrel and just punching it, ripping it to shreds. And we sort of zoom in and it lets us into a cutscene. But he seems happy place about it. On too. Oh, he loves it. And then we learn that fucking Granin is inside the barrel and he is next level dead. Like his insides are paced <laughs> at this point, let alone all the it's electricity and all the about. other stuff going on. But I'm laughing. And he's just like, he, I don't know, he's just having a good time. He does like a Dragon Ball Z move, like a Kameha kind of thing, like double punches it. He's just a nut job. And uh, so then they're checking. He finds the tracker, right? So I guess maybe the intent is Granin knows where our spy is, right? Maybe he's the he's the turncoat. He's the one that's been feeding Snake, uh, the CIA dog, information throughout the whole thing. He never said anything. So they're like, oh, maybe he's not the spy. Mm-hmm. Then they find the tracker in his shoe. And I thought it's a fun callback because he says, you know, nice shoes. Right. But Eva definitely put that tracker in him. Yeah, it because he snake. said, Tatiana gave them to me. Right, exactly. So Eva put it in there and it, almost immediately, it's very interesting. So right off the bat, Ocelot's like, uh, oh, so Granin isn't the spy. And or Granin is the spy. And Volgan's just like, well, no, he probably, someone was probably helping him. Like, he just knows that Grandin wasn't the spy. I guess because he believes his brutal beatings gets the info you need out of him. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I think he and, also just kind of looked down on Grandin and was like, thought of him as like incompetent. Too. Right. Was the spy? Perhaps he was being used by someone else. Perhaps. This man was our comrade. Comrade or not, he's of no use to us now. I don't approve of your. I don't need your He's such an asshole. And that nuclear shell. So yeah, you're absolutely right. So we get to this point and And Ocelot is we're basically on Ocelot's side now. Like Ocelot doesn't even agree with Volgan that like how he's handling this is the right way to handle this. He's talking about killing his comrades. He's talking about firing nuclear weapons in Russia, right? He's not even following. 
what needs to be done properly uh, with regards to how he's handling this sort of Grozny grad and the Shago Hod's information. Um, I, there's some cool moments. Like, I love the split screen. I love, like, how they're sort of doing their thing. And, of course, the, the, the line is awesome of the, you know, what are you going to do? Call the authorities. Like, it's pretty good. Like, yeah. I'll, give them, I'll give them credit for that. It's a good um, sleazy line from Volgan. Right. And they're starting to have their own little, you know, fighty fight moment. And then the boss comes in like a fucking G. Mm -hmm. And she does her normal like a. It's so good. She just rolls in and is like. The fear in the end. Yeah. Sorry. The fear in the end are dead. And just like throws the the gun, like the crossbow on the ground. And uh, it's, it's really good. But then again, you start to see. She looks at Eva or Tatiana because she shows up out of nowhere, too. And they sort of have like a, you know, like a bromant of like, gotcha. Like, we're going to do this together kind of thing. Real subtle, but it's there. And you're like, fuck, has she been like in cahoots with with the boss the whole time? Like, are they is that a thing? And I, I like that. It's like a little extra added level of espionage. And uh, but yeah, speaking to your thoughts on how they are. Ocelot and Volgan, like, I'm totally on Ocelot's side at this point. You kind of get the feeling that Ocelot is morally trying to take the high road at this point. You know what I mean? It's one thing to be Gru and, you know, love your country, but yeah, it's a whole nother thing to be straight up murdering people who may or may not even have the information that you're trying to gather. Right. And you don't even know because you beat them senseless before you got that information. Right. Definitely. So, yeah. So now... Sorry to have overwritten you there, Chris, but oh, yeah, now we yeah. are where you are. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I love this cutscene, and this is where you're talking about. So now I love the gun. So he's got the little single crossbow, the little John, and he's like doing his little flip maneuvers because Ocelot's obsessed with handguns. And yeah, he is incredibly suspicious of Tatiana, and he's you know sniffing her. He's Fuck he's just kind of yeah, he's just being kind of gross. And he does the finger guns because he's flipping the thing and he like points the, the gun at her face and everything. And uh, I don't know. Oh, I like at this it. point, it's... Uh, you like it? I think, I mean, I like it how he, <laughs> I like how it he does it because, A well, plus. first off, he does his finger guns, Today, which is amazing. I Anytime learned he does what finger guns. kinks are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Crossbows and finger guns. Ew, that's, my, uh, that's my slash we were, R Reddit. <laughs> so we were talking uh, in a previous episode about one of the fierce crossbows, which is used here mm -hmm. to point right. to Eva's neck. Which one was it? Little. That's the, I think it's a little John. Little John. Of I course. Little John. Of course it was. <laughs> and uh, the only thing I want to add up, and we talked about it before, but it seems like nobody is familiar with the sorrow. And we talk about it because, of course, we're going to learn a lot about the sorrow later. We've seen the sorrow probably, I think, at least once where you're sort of forced to. The boss talks about him. She's gesturing to him. You can hit R1 and see him a couple times. But you even learn, like, when he's when she comes in and says, like, the pain, the fury, and the end are dead. He's like, that just leaves the fury. Mm -hmm. And that's not true as far as Snake is concerned. And I guess so does the boss. She kind of knows that, too, obviously. Mm -hmm. So it's just interesting that they don't call attention to the sorrow. But the fury will when we get to him. Um, so it's just, I don't know, a little interesting that he is sort of forgotten by the, the living in a sense. 
that uh but in our eyes as the player he is very much still a member of the cobra unit so it makes for a pretty good storytelling device when we get right. towards the end of this episode and i think that now that we're kind of being led into this moment i think the fact that the fury is the only one to call him out is poignant right we're just about to get to the sorrow here in a little bit and yeah up until this point um most of the bosses have been consumed the battle bosses have been consumed in their own i don't know pizzazz that they bring to this fight like the pain is just talking about how much pain he's gonna put snake through the fear is just talking about how much of the fear he's going to bring to snake uh the fury is the only one who kind of projects out uh into the abstract and and talks about the bigger picture so i think more than just you versus him right right right. and i think it's i think it makes sense that he's the only one to call out the sorrow as a member of the cobra unit um and warren i think the last time we re- we recorded, you kind of spoke as to why, or at least if 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 you theorized why he would have. Yeah, I guess the joke is that like he's already dead inside. Mm. <laughs> 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 he's <laughs> seen <laughs> he's seen both ends. Like he's seen the world's end in his brain, so that would make him certainly almost on the same playing field as the sorrow. He just somehow actually has the ability to engulf the world in flames is what he we're going to learn shortly so yeah. we're almost at the fury so we'll, we'll get there in a second just because that's awesome so we have our stuff we just have to we basically learn that stuff we have to now go down the mountain to follow where eva just went just in our own way and we have to break into the underground tunnel so that we can get through there so it's basically the same maps nothing crazy but i do love the extra piece they add the fire bat sort of mm. soldiers that they have that have them helmet on so you can't clip them in the head and i love that like the it almost sounds like an at atst yeah style like star wars like you can hear like the the metal clinking as they mm-hmm. walk with clank, all their clank, stuff clank, like that clank, that's clank. a really cool it's nerve-wracking really if cool your strategy design. was to uh belly crawl through the trenches yeah because they just they ruin that for you almost immediately which is <laughs> clever that they did that because it's it's a good way to you have to change up your play style or right you know i shot him in the foot and just prayed for him to fall asleep oh that's definitely <laughs> what i did that's definitely yeah. what i did or i i struck him as close to the heart as possible because if you get him right. in the right spot on their torso either their heart or their nads or their butthole yeah hey you i'm, can, oh, I'm young neil trying to bring the nasty moments back to the show <laughs> well you can also just wait for them to turn their back and yeah, pull out that shotgun. And oh shoot my god! Oh, you're, gonna, you're just you're not gonna trank them. You're just gonna shoot the shotgun at their tank, huh? Yeah. Yep. Oh, that works though. And if you wait till cool. they're around <laughs> other soldiers too, you can. Oh, get nice! Multi- Turn two them into their own little grenade. You get a two for one special. <laughs> so mm. we make our way into the tunnel. We climb down the ladder, and. We, we are surrounded by a crap ton of ammo and things like that. So I was a little like, oh, shit, this might be boss time. I'm a little nervous. Once they give us a lot of ammo is when I get really sure. nervous. Yeah. And we walk into this sort of like opening. It almost looks like just big, massive hallways, like sluice gates kind of a thing. And we get to meet our man, the Fury. This guy. <clears throat> 
babe, that my rage will incinerate you. I came back from space. As I returned, I had one vision. The world set ablaze. And do you know what I saw there? Fury. A great and terrible fury at being alive. Now you're going to feel the scorching heat of that horrible blackness. This guy is so fucking cool. Let me just let's give it up for <laughs> Richard Doyle, you know? Yeah. Fuck, oh, that guy. Man, he's so good. Yeah. I he's just like this cosmonaut looking guy that's just I don't know, he's for such a like we can make fun of the boss fight when we get to that, but I his design, his the way he he holds himself and like I love his diction, like the way he talks, the way he does his his whole motif is fucking awesome like he is so much flash and sizzle not to call a pun on the flames but he's so good at setting up like such a cool interaction i guess because we'll talk about the boss fight in a second i don't know if it's as is exciting mm -hmm. but this guy's a, a a nut job and we'll get into him when we talk about the baddies so that'll be coming up in an episode or two but basically yeah he 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 tells us that he saw this horrible blackness and he wants to share in the fury like with you. Like you're part of the problem because he hates everything. And uh, as far as the gameplay around this badass, we can call back to a joke about Pac-Man fights where this is very Vulcan Raven because it is just hallways and dodging. But the first thing that I'll bring up before we make it a little round table is I learned in my research before playing this game is how much if you focus on being quiet in the fight it goes so much easier of him finding you so i used to just wear all black and run around because it's a very dark sewer so you can be almost invisible as far as your camo index but if i'm running across and running back and forth and trying to find him he will hear me and fly over but if i take my time and focus on being quiet it's a lot easier to get that svd and just pop him and knock him out. How did everybody else do with this fight? Yeah, I uh, usually fare pretty well here. Um, I do, real quick before I get into um, fight, I just want to, I guess, expand upon your mention of his, uh, I don't know, classiness and his whole intro. He's so I just, good. I love the drama of him shooting off his flamethrower and and batch drumming. Uh Excuse me, batch dropping. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, plus the the opposite of what what I'm doing, which is speaking eloquently about his oh, so his good. whole spiel. Right, he's setting himself up as a character far more than, like we said a few minutes ago, far more than the pain or the fury. He's giving us a reason to be invested in his story because he can communicate it so clearly. And this yeah, is he has when like I a think, manifesto like sort of thing. Yeah. Right, exactly. And this is when I think every time I've played this game I get more invested in story and in lore. 
is when sure. I come up to this boss fight. Uh, but yeah, I, I just, I basically treat this like the fight with the Raven in Metal Gear Solid 1. You know, I set uh, Claymore traps for him as much as I can. Um, other than that, I just wait uh, to get in a good position to find him. Like if I go to the end of, of let's see. If I go to the end of each column, I guess, and just walk across them to see where he is, I can usually catch him. Or I'll pay attention to where his fire is coming from. Sure. Uh, and then I'll just position myself advantageously. Uh, it wasn't... I never found this one to be that tricky, but um, I don't know. That's just me, I guess. Chris? And what about shotgun bang? What up with that thing? <laughs> Pretty shitty. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Fuck this guy. I like this character. I hate this boss fight. It's kind of bullshit. Um, yeah. there's really only like one good way to get through it. You can't cheese it. You can't do anything like that. Um, the fact that the fury sneaks up on snake is really surprising, you know, cause I know like it's yeah. dark, right. And that's part of the challenge is like, where is he? And you can't rely on the thermal goggles because he messes with that using the flamethrower and such. Right. Right. But and this the clinking dude, of lucky. his boots. This dude is Hank the fucking tank with his boots, <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ka-chink. He comes cranking around and, you- and like makes these big explosions and it's always just like, bah, 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 bah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, he's so awesome, though. And I love that if you think you're just because you're all the way, like, yeah, he can like walk and then sort of run, right? He can like mm-hmm. kind of truck towards you a little bit. You have these long heart corridors, so you're thinking you like you got all the time in the world, and he'll just kick on that jetpack and like, yeah. like right at you. That sucks. Yeah. <laughs> well, not that, only that, but the sound of his shit. boots gets thrown. It's like you can hear the clink of his boots, sure, but you don't know where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. All. Yeah. At all. At you just know he's moving, basically. Yeah. You can kind of gauge it, but it's not obvious that he's close or far. So, se. Chris, what was your strategy? Yeah. What's the strat, man? The strat is uh, eventually I just caved and followed Warren's strat with the the sniper and all that stuff. It, it's really the only easy way to get to him. Uh, yeah. If you can shoot him in the head consistently enough and quick enough, you can stagger him mm-hmm. is what I found. And like th- that's the trick. It's like if you hit him once and he finds you, you're fucked because he's going to mm-hmm. jetpack over to you and and blow some shit up and set fire to everything. And it's really hard to run away fast enough from that flamethrower. It chases you pretty effectively. Right. Yeah, because you don't have the ability to, not as much to go from hallway to hallway. There's maybe one or two openings in between, Mm -hmm. but you're not just like able to slide over. Right, exactly. So that's, it's cool, man. It's, look, it's, we can mock, you know, it's very raven Right. It's very Pac-Man. But if you know what you're doing, like this is a d- another different way to fight a boss in this game. They still mm-hmm. use another piece of your tool belt to succeed in this fight. You do not have to just go in guns a blazing. You do not have to use the sniper rifle. It's not necessarily recommended, but it does make life a lot easier if you have mm-hmm. it. But sometimes I bet you some parts of it just get close enough to them shoot the machine gun and then get out of dodge. Like yeah, make sure you're was, in a different hallway. That was my and then method. Just shoot him and slide over. Yeah. It, it I would, seems uh, like you can do that. 
I would set one or two, just one or two, whereas in the Raven fight, I'm, I'm setting like three or four maybe. I would yeah, just set one or stuff, two yeah. uh, pieces of TNT. And if he caught him, great. If not, whatever. I would just avoid him. But otherwise, it's really up to you to to pepper him with a shotgun if, if you're Chris or <laughs> a machine gun if you're yeah. most anybody <laughs> else, I feel like. Sure. But hey, it works. And we win the fight. And he has probably the most interesting of ending of like his how they all have their little moment of like, let me mm-hmm. tell you a little bit about me before I die. And uh, I want to get a little into this because this is really dope. Boss. Nope. This is the end of the Copers. I've got to live on. You're the only one left. I'm off. Join the sun. What is this guy's deal? He's Voldemort. Of hell will purge it I can see it. Bishop do you read me? slams into the roof of where you are comes back down as a giant flame like ghost in the machine face and chases you down a hallway like Voldemort at the end of the first Harry Potter it's insane all while giving a soliloquy that makes deep references to uh, the David Bowie song Space Odyssey oh shit Absolutely. Yeah, I, I didn't and realize that so until you played that clip cool, just now, man. Warren. But the yeah, mission, yeah. I'm coming home. <laughs> oh, oh it's, that, it's, yeah, I guess that is pretty what obvious. It is. It's, but it's, oh man, he's just got such a great, like, he's definitely one of those I would have liked to have learned more about him. From Codec Calls and media. such? Yeah, he's he's so, he's for such a simple design as far as boss fight, he brings so much more to the table. Agreed. And, uh, and when we get to the baddies episode, you guys will hear it. There, there's not a lot about these bad guys, right? We have a little bit of a history that happened before this game starts and how they're involved in Operation Snake Eater. But uh, we have a little... He has more than most, but just not enough. There, there's just so much yeah. awesome stuff in there that I would have loved to have, uh, have found out when that time came. But we have beaten the Fury. Just barely. And... In some yeah. cases. <laughs> <laughs> and we make our way out the other side of the tunnel. And we pop out of, I guess, like a, a manhole cover, whatever you want to call it, like an access entrance to the sewers. Something like sure. that. And yeah. And I absolutely love how they sort of like sizzle reel. Why Grozny Grad, like, you know, you're there. They have like the cut scene that shows like, look at how many tanks are here. And look at the... 
spotlights and check out this guard checking out six other guards doing a thing and you're this tiny little mouse in a cage and it's like they do like a zoom out to be like oh shit you're in grozny grad now and that's so fucking cool like it feels very like a movie like a like a classic action movie or a classic espionage movie of what's going on and i fucking love it it's so good it's very cinematic and there's a few moments in the game that are like this. And I think these are like Kojima's big splashy. I'm going to show off my film director skills or whatever. Right. Definitely. Moments. This is also where they show you that snake is trapped, right? They show the tank rolling back over the manhole. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You're, you're in now you're in Grozny grad. Yeah. So there's no turning what's back happening. from here. Well, there, each each section of the game, there's a kind of gate that happens, right? Like when mm-hmm. in the beginning of this, once you climb up the ladder and you come out to get into the mountains area, you drop mm-hmm. off a ledge that is too high for you to climb back up on. That's a good point. And yeah, that's sort of I think like there are these moments in the game where it's like, okay, no return here. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Now I know. I had a very different experience as far as how to get in and out. Uh, I knew exactly where to go just because I love this section of the game so much that I know this area so well. This is, as far as the game is concerned, this is incredibly massive. There are, there might be like a hundred different items you can grab Mm -hmm. if you sort of follow the perimeter of Grozny Grad. There are. There's depots, there's tanks, there's weapon, there's the weapons lab, there's multiple buildings you can sort of get around, there's ventilation shafts, there's ladder, there's stuff everywhere. And what I do know is, is that you can be uh, sneaky as fuck, and you can sort of cheat with one of the boxes you grab at Rasviet. You yes. can sit, sit in one of the trucks, and it just says weapons lab east wing, and you can just do that. And you can avoid most of Grozny Grad just to get into the west, into the wing. Okay, so right which away. truck? Uh, it's it's a truck towards the. I guess as far as the map is concerned, it's the northeast. Okay. So there's trucks like on your way. There's like six six little situations there, like like trucks and tanks and things like that. Mm-hmm. And it's on the left hand side. You'll see like two trucks there. One of the trucks in there. You lay down, and I think you wait like thirty seconds, and a you know a cutscene will just happen where a guard walks up and goes like, "Well, oh, all right, I guess." I guess I got to ship this box to the weapons lab East wing. Nice. I've never <laughs> triggered that. I might try that. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, there's even other ways to get in too quickly. It's just, that's the one that I know the most. That's what you use the cardboard box for in the very first Metal gear game. actually. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. Yes. And you around. use it a lot and it's, you have to know which box to put where. Oh yeah. It's much more, uh, let me say this, it's much less forgiving than the latter games happen to be on mm-hmm. boxes and delivery systems. It's it was very sophisticated for the time for sure. Right? Are oh you, yeah. Have you uh I might actually I'm thinking of Ghost Babble, actually now that I think of it, but um you I am think of Ghost so Babble. have either of you guys had the subsistence edition to play through Metal Gear and Metal Gear Two? It's on the HD yes. collection. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Okay. Correct. And we are going to cover those at some point, no? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. They are, they are, they're canon, baby. As so fantastic. We're, we're doing it. 
All right. And I guess I'll, I'll make a mark here. I forgot to say that when you do properly take care of the Fury non-lethally, you do get his fire camo, which Ooh. is really helpful against flames. It's mm. not really uh, very good with camo index, but it is still a pretty dope looking camo and it does uh, help with flame. So at least that. So now I am already in the weapons lab. Did anybody do like a good pass? I did do a little bit of like perusing. I wanted to mess up. There's like a food storage in there. I wanted to make sure I had all the SVD bullets I can get my hands on for just in case I needed it later. There's tons of grenades. There's like, if you need serum and bandages, like there's almost everything here. And there's a munitions depot in the Northeast corner as well that has like all kinds of guns and, and things you need moving forward. So as long as you guys felt good about that, have we gotten our way into the weapons lab? And how did it, how else did everybody else get in outside of me being cheaty? Mm, yeah, I mean, I have just one kind of play style at this point in the game. I made a note if you guys want to see. Oh, I, I'm well aware <laughs> of what I see here. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, oh, man. uh I just put on the the Rykov mask and equip the shotgun and off to the races we go <laughs> just running and clicking my way to where I need to be. Yeah, not much uh, infiltration as far as uh definitely infiltration, infiltration for <laughs> just no knocking down doors stealth. fucking shit up. Yeah, more like <laughs> I guess the pain style of infiltration. Sure. Yeah, nice. yeah, exactly. A battering get in there. to the door <laughs> right. is my approach. <laughs> and Tori, how about you? So you ready to get to the weapons lab? You feel good? Uh, yeah. I just want to say, I just want to say that uh, splitter. If splitter is the camo you should be using for this, it's one of the best they have, and so I'm excited good. at this point to don it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you just got it like in the like not the previous screen, but you get it like Recently. right at the mountaintop. So yeah. it's like a, a immediate reward for taking just a quick little right to mm-hmm. grab something before you go, which is the best. My right. my recollection of the splitter camo is that it was when when I played this game, I remember thinking like, oh man, imagine if like you played Metal Gear Solid two but you oh, had the yeah. camo system. Oh, yeah. Imagine yes. like all the different types of camo you would have and like right? the costumes oh, and the disguises. And I was like thinking of like, holy shit, like Metal Gear Solid 2 would be really fun with a camo system in it. Oh, You absolutely. almost get it by collecting the BDUs, right? And if, if, yeah, if, I don't know if it was kojima needing to realize a bit further if or if it was the restraints of the playstation 2 um but you can see how he's kind of dipping his toes into it a bit there and we just get to see it full fleshed in metal gear solid 3 Mm -hmm. you're right though splitter would have been perfect for probably the uh verrazano bridge yeah i'm imagining well the camo system is like good of them yeah I'm always surprised by how sophisticated it is for a game that that's this old because right yeah it it really does make a huge difference like five percent you know in your camo index and how you move while you're wearing the camo if you're looking at the screen you actually do blend in with the environment it's right. crazy so it's not just oh, like yeah. a number or an integer 
in a program. It's a, it's also a visual thing that was like thought out and fleshed out really well. Right. Oh, you know what? I guess now that you mentioned that shit, Metal Gear Solid 2 was on PS2 as well. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't, it wasn't a matter of what the PS2 could do. It It was just, we're in a different setting. Well, I mean, Warren, you know, dates and, in facts, you're, you're, a, Warren's a just a facts man. I am a just a facts ma'am, man. Uh, yes. But I believe that MGS3 came out like pretty near the end of the life cycle of the PS2. Pretty much, yeah. It feels pretty like close. it, yeah. Yeah, within maybe a year or two uh, as far as like mm-hmm. launch for PS3. I guess correct. comparatively, we would say it's like the ghost of Toshima of the PS4. You know, oh, yeah, okay. Pretty close. The, probably maybe a little sooner. Probably the than last when the PS3 came out. Yeah. But one of the but, last uh, big exclusive titles for that generation. Sure. And it was probably, I believe it was three years difference between Metal Gear Solid 2 and Metal Gear Solid 3. Yep. So some so, time to really think about and culminate and produce an effective camo system from the BDUs right. to, oh shit, we can do that with more than mm-hmm. just one set of uniforms right and also like it's one thing to be like look at all this cool new hardware we can use Mm -hmm. right versus okay now how can we extrapolate every inch of gameplay out of this hardware because we know Hmm. how to effectively use it across you know it's been we have so many so much time of, of research of how to use it and you can tell that they did that too because the way the camera works because there's no more soliton radar and they wanted to mm-hmm. make the AI stronger. So if guards can see you from off screen, that's pretty fucking frustrating for a player. So they had to not only implement like a camo system, but also pay attention to the camera so that you could zoom out uh, in the original release so that you could see what the hell was going on. Mm-hmm. So you could see why you got Saul. Saul? Scene? Um, Sawed. So you could see... Why they saved you. So it's very interesting how they did that, and that's why so quickly they brought out subsistence and fixed the camera. So they even right. learned from their own design that they were like, okay, we gotta... This game can be so much better if we just realized what we were making the game. You know what I mean? Like, yes. so it was, It's very interesting with that. Beautiful. And it's, it's definitely the best way to play it. Like, the OG one is... It can be very frustrating if you don't know the game very well. So right. I, I totally agree with with this and grass grads a perfect example there's so many places where you have no freaking clue of what the hell is going on if you could only oh, yeah. not control your camera it'd be a, a fucking nightmare i had to go into first person a lot for this one thing i want to say is that entering the weapons lab i always get confused because i had one location in mind and that is grassney yeah. northwest right. and that's because <laughs> that's where you're supposed to run after you're breaking out of jail Yep. So I always accidentally go there first, realize I done fucked up, and then have to to figure out where the fuck I'm supposed to go from there. Hmm. Yep. Well, I will say to your point, Warren, about like them changing their own thing. I think it was Blue Point, right, who worked on this. Yes. The the remake. Well, Subsistence was where they added in the camera change. Correct. So the MGS3 remake was Bluepoint. Bluepoint. So all they did was port it. They didn't add that into the game. It was in... No. It was a part of Subsistence from yeah, yeah. Konami. All right, yeah. But really, Koji Pro. Yeah. Really, all right. Koji I'll, Pro. I'll, I'll, I'll allow Kojima to take credit <laughs> for this good thing in the game. Yeah. 
I mean, at the end of the day, this is the time we want to give Kojima credit. Yeah. Like, this is where we actually want to yeah. celebrate why he's doing it. It can get frustrating later because he, we can look back on all of this mm-hmm. and be like, what the fuck, man? Like, Jesus, like, I get you're good at this, but you could have been, you know, the Steven Spielberg of video games, not the Stanley Kubrick, where like 50% of you think you're a genius and the other 50% doesn't understand half the shit you're making. You know, mm-hmm. where Spielberg mm-hmm. just makes mm-hmm. almost all good stuff mm-hmm. and then also has some showstoppers. Well, like, well, we may have you, some disagreements well, I'm just, there. I'm just saying some, the public yeah. notice. I'm not saying I have a certain feeling that may be different than anybody else's in this room. I'm just saying that Kubrick to film nerds is one of the best directors of our time and oh, okay. basically justify everything that he did in the movie because mm-hmm. he wanted to, not because he made a continuity error or something. Okay, like sure. Okay, fair. You know That's what I'm saying? Fair. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, well, for his you. sake. Far be it for me to read a man's intentions in his own heart. Fair point. But <laughs> I believe that Kojima aspires in a in a weird sense, like the kind of commercial success that a Spielberg would be. Mm-hmm. But more of with a, his own brand. Right. But more of a yeah. reverence that one would have for like a David Lynch. Right. Okay. Agree. Sure, sure, sure. That's or like, a Kubrick. He's the or weird Kubrick, kooky guy. Honestly. And he does some strange stuff. But we all love it. Right. That is Everybody true. who loves it really loves it. Otherwise they yeah. just seem not to get it, it seems like. But he's like. just he's trying to get paid. That's all. Yeah. He's trying to get well, he also, he's trying to get his bag, trying to get stacks. We <laughs> should talk stacks. we should talk about this on a PC or something. The um mm-hmm. the compromise between making the art you want to make and making it so that it can oh my God, be consumed. There are so many ways that we could tackle that issue. Mm-hmm. Jesus. <laughs> I'm just saying time. there's yeah, yeah, there's yeah, no there's kidding. Especially of the, opportunity. The overall concept too of like good art comes from restriction, like that piece there's oh, so we have just, to th- if you just throw the wallet at somebody like you get metal yourself for you know what i mean or death stranding or death stranding right that's true <laughs> so i mean we we'll, can talk about that a lot yeah we'll we'll tackle that might be a good pc topic or even a maybe an off-season thing we just want to mm-hmm. bring to the table because that could be super fun to talk about yes. but a PC topic. so now at what point does art become self-indulgence due exactly. to yes. so now we are at the weapons lab of grozny yeah, no, I got in. self-indulgence. Yeah. <laughs> Here's a whole so, monument to it. <laughs> I found myself on the East Wing, obviously, because of the truck dropping me off. Mm-hmm. And I was actually able to find my way to the staircase that's down there. I had my SIG spray out, and I did throw on the scientist getup. Okay. Not because it would get me out of trouble, but it gave me like two extra seconds before anybody like knew I was Snake. They would do like the quick one second to look at you to see who you are. And I would just and just sig spray the crap out of him and then just kick it moving. And he I know Rydenovich, just because I've played the game so much, you get right by the stairs. You sig spray the guy that's kind of playing guard up at the top. And as soon as he walks out of the library, he notices the guys passed out and goes like, you know, uh, you OK? And he goes to walk over and you just I can grip him up right there. And I walk mm. him right nice. into the right into the locker room. I don't have to wait Damn. for him to get to the locker room. I just want to yeah. watch you play sometime because oh, it would be well, much so, more exciting than watching me play. I'm, so, and that's the thing that's crazy <laughs> is there's only, there's like maybe like we've talked about this before and it's going to be a reoccurring thing because I'm not good at this game. Yeah. Like there are, there's a lot of sections of this game that should feel like 
I know what I'm doing and I should be really good at it. And like I said, I struggled with the end, I struggled with the fear until I like, you know, crack the code or whatever. This, like there's some sections where I just know, like, like I said, Grozny grad, it is like my favorite section. So I figured out how to run through it in 20 minutes or, you know, explore the whole thing and do all this stuff. So at least it's fun. It also, you know, helps. We've talked about this in the character focused episodes. I do have like a decent timely reference of like maps drawn in the guides. I have, I have guides for every single mainline metal gear, like when they get like the OG guide for snake eater in front of me right now to help me make sure I'm not missing any fun tidbits of the game. So when I see stuff like that, I'm like, I want to do this and maybe I will, maybe I'll, you know, we will stream some uh, past games uh, as we get, as we move forward. But so yeah, I brought them right in. And I will say, we'll, we'll talk about your, your experiences. I never noticed, I don't know why, I guess it wasn't something I was paying attention to, but if you're playing the PS3 one, does he have like, he's got the little Speedo on, right? We know that, but he's got like, it looks like the Smash Brothers, like S, the Super Smash Brothers S, like on his oh, it's a little, little lightning Speedo bolt. there. It's yeah, a lightning ball, right? But it, look, it just, it looks like a little bit like an S. I don't As know why. As if he belongs to mm-hmm. a certain someone. That's so, yeah, so gross. It looks like the S on that item you pick up <laughs> that lets you do the the Metroid spinny jump. Right. Yeah, that's what it looked like to me. So screw but attack. Yeah, so that's it. Screw attack. Screw attack. Screw attack. That's literally what it is. And yeah, he does screw an attack. So that's perfect. <laughs> oh, nice. Um, <laughs> is that where Vulgan does his screw attack? <laughs> is that what they're time. That, that, is that what they're trying to reference here? <laughs> that was not a that was oh. not, I, I should have filtered that. <laughs> I always I just assumed it, it was because it this man belongs to Volgan, but there's another there's another level to this. Yeah. There are layers so, <laughs> to this case. <laughs> so Ew. how did you guys how did you guys find your way to getting Rydenovish? Um well, I kind of just murdered everybody because <laughs> the yeah. surprising thing is when the violence starts, um, Raiden, don't stop. Rydanovich will just go hide in the bathroom. Right. Oh, he's a coward. What a pansy. He is. He's a coward. He's, he's a lover, not a fighter. You know that. Correct. We, know we that. definitely know that about him. Volgan's the power violence in that relationship dynamic. He's the top. Volgan's obviously the There's top. There's no question. Obvi. Um, but anyway, yeah, so he'll go hide in the bathroom and then you can just sneak up on him at that point. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I've never snuck up on him in the bathroom. That's good to know. Yeah. Well, so you, you just hang out. If you're going to sneak up on someone him. generally, do it in the bathroom. <laughs> Thank it's you, Chris, for those tips. <laughs> they're most vulnerable. Yeah, it's definitely true. Especially with a shotgun, like you got him dead to rights in a bathroom. Yeah. So, what about you, Tori? How did how did it go for you? Did you just sort of hang out and wait for him in the locker room. Uh, actually, as I entered this building, I was already on alert. <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I just kind of ran right up the stairs and. Uh, waited for a scientist to come through as they do because they're when you're on alert and um the alarm has been signaled i guess 
Mm-hmm. Scientists are running all over the fucking place. Like they don't yeah. they don't know what's going on. So they run through any door that they're by. And if you stand at the right one, you can get to the lockers. So nice. <laughs> I just waited for them to open the door and conveniently placed myself in the locker. It's so that funny would how hide they me. They just let you in. Like even Chris did that. He like knocked on the door at the lab. Yeah. They just walked out <laughs> and he just shot the guy. <laughs> like, it's so good. Yeah, it's so like, you God. just um it's if so you can funny. just let yourself in there. I just hid in a locker until the caution expired and then sure. waited for uh Rykov to come. If you wait long enough, Rykov will just come on in and you can kind of uh walk around to the opposite side of the lockers that he's on and sneak up on him so nice i mean that i think that's arguably how it's probably designed is like find your way in and just wait for him like Mm -hmm. i guess again bathroom or locker room is like where everybody has to go eventually right Right. like either you're leaving or you have to go those are the two things you like can't avoid when you're Mm -hmm. working um so yeah so we knock him out we see his uh screw attack symbol and uh we (laughs) throw him in a locker and we throw on, we don our mask, we don our outfit, which we just got. And I got to say, I laughed really hard because it looks really funny when you are running in the Rydanovich outfit because you're running like snake and you're not, you know, yeah. nobody cares. You're not acting like you're in proper uniform. Mm-hmm. Even uh, when you're walking, he walks yeah. with a hunch. Well, it's so fun. Yeah, he has the, yeah, like that, like weird sneaking strut. Yeah. I almost <laughs> expected to him to like, when I was doing a role to do a flip instead to to control more like riding sure i thought i almost thought that too that's actually a good call i'm surprised it didn't it's like putting a riding skin on snake right right and it's i i gotta say too it didn't i didn't need to do it but anytime the opportunity arises i suck at saluting the guards when you're (laughs) supposed to like hide from them and like just do a salute I, I suck at doing it timely. Like when they do the salute, I'm supposed to do it like right after and they either do it before or I accidentally hit them with my arm or something. <laughs> it never, it never goes well at all. So awesome. I just, I do my best to re- just run and flip my way to the door almost as mm. fast as possible. What happens if they, <laughs> if you get spotted, is there like a shootout or. Uh, I would think, I would think they just say that something's up with you. I don't think you can actually get caught in that section as long as you're, in yeah. that area. Eva makes I, it a I, point to say you can so much as punch a guard and Snake's like, what? She's like, yeah, I guess that's just the kind of guy he is. And basically because one, he's known for that, which you'll learn about in the baddies episode. And two, no one's going to fucking step to the guy that's Volgan's, you know, B. Like that's <laughs> his. Volgan's bottom. That, yeah, that's what he yeah. is. So like if you do anything to get in his way. Did and you just censor arguably, the word bitch? Uh no, Volgan's I just was, bitch. I was just trying to. I was just trying to give it more than you know. You choose your own adventure at that point. <laughs> by calling him a bitch. He's sorry. Rykov is Volgan's bitch. Yeah, bottom and also bitch. to learn bitch. that he was supposed to be going to his chambers anyway. Like we learned that heard, in the cutscene we're getting to. I heard somewhere that bottom bitch is is uh, a term of respect. Yes, according to South Park and yes. Butters, if you're Butters' yes. bottom bitch, you are his. Like that's his, that's your, you're in a really good spot mm, if you're right. someone's bottom bitch. So congrats to Rykov. That's Rykov, so, man. Appreciate it, bud. And uh, so we use that. We get in, we infiltrate the area we're trying to get to as far as the Northeast and uh, through the West, through the weapons lab. And we overhear 
Sokolov having a conversation with someone and we recognize the voice. So we learn that it's Tatiana, Eva, and she's getting the plans for the Shagohad from him. And he has the understanding that she works for Khrushchev, which is just a third layer of what's going on. And now we're learning like, oh, so Eve, so Tatiana wasn't Sokolov's woman, right? It was the other way around. So there's like another added layer and like how is Eva like surviving <laughs> by like she's like crossing everyone. She's just really good at lying, man. She so yeah. she has she has at first she has Volgan and Ocelot at least thinking that she's Sokolov's woman, right? And right. then, you know, uh, not Ocelot, Volgan is like, "All right, well, you can entertain me for a while." So then she's in with Volgan, right? But she's right. still able to keep Snake on the hook enough to advance him so that she can further position herself advantageously because, you know, you need Snake to be able to take down these guys for her to have a chance at ending this whole thing with Volgan, right? So she's relying right. on him to take out these guys. He's relying on her to even get to these guys. Yeah. Well, it's that's really true. impressive. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And that's what's... Yeah, that's exactly. It's it's so impressive. And again, I love that they use it to their advantage, right? So he brings up Major Zero again, that they're talking about how things are going. You you learn all about how he gets involved. So now Snake is finally caught up like, oh, okay, now we get Eva, Tatiana, yada, yada, you know. So now, mm -hmm. we're, now we're in the same boat because he's like hiding behind the boxes or whatever, and he can like see that it's her when he's hiding. But so. he still doesn't, he still doesn't quite register that because when he goes in to talk to... Oh, so you're right. Love. It's coming up that this is right. Yes. It's not there yet. You're absolutely right. Damn. Um, He's right, pretty so, thick through this part, honestly, which may be, it may be more of, uh, uh, I don't know, a celebration of, of how great Eva is. Yeah. She's a, she's a great spy, man. Uh, she really is. Um, so as, he, as she leaves, Snake rocks in and he starts to have his little chat with Sokolov. Mm -hmm. And what I do love is we learn phase two is complete. We get basically the entire catch up of everything of uh, the Shagohad, how it was designed. I love how they it's the other end of the Granin talk where basically I had the, you know, the big picture plan, mm -hmm. but they took all the money because the Shagohad can be like done now. Like this right. is like the shorter. This, this isn't the full solution, but it can be made quicker. And. I do love they they go back and I had to make a note that ICBMs because he says it like six times and that does. stands for intercontinental ballistic missile and I had never knew that for a very long time um, but again you learn that Sokolov was never with Tatiana I never thought they were shipping never thought that <laughs> um, stooping but uh but I also love like it, it's kind of funny like when they get to it it goes to like when I was a little boy I always wanted to make rockets mm -hmm. and it's like yeah we get it. Well, no, I, I think this, to make them for good. <laughs> this part is important, I think, because this is not the only the only media, I guess you could say, I consumed that delivered this message that sure. science is ultimately the goal for science is to accomplish good, but it is right. often put into the wrong hands, right? I'm thinking at this point I'm thinking of Cat's Cradle and Ice Nine and if you haven't read that book by Kurt Vonnegut, you really, really ought to because yeah. it's it's basically 
a great descriptor for this moment where Volgan is like, you know, I just, like you said, Warren, I just want to make rockets. And now I, my creations are used to wipe people out basically. Yeah. And it's, you kind of have to empathize for him in this moment because I'm sure the prospect of being a, a scientist who works on rockets is amazing and something a lot of little boys dream of doing when they grow up. And then being caught in the position that Sokolov is where you have on the opposite end of the spectrum, Granin, who's like, forget this motherfucker. He built a, a tinker toy compared to what I've got going on. It's right. just, I always thought these two scenes were really interesting to have juxtaposed. Sure. And then Volgan walks on in and he recognizes that uh, Ivan is there. And he's a little confused, like, why aren't you in my chambers, you know? And he, his way of seeing what's going on is he walks right over to him and just does the old dick grab to see if it's a doppelganger of your male lover. Like and, you do. Uh, and he right? does it hey, twice. Warren? <laughs> Warren, you do that, right? That's the thing you uh, do, Chris. That's the thing you do, right? Well, uh, maybe that's their intimate greeting with each other. Yeah. You know, that's true. Like yeah, we all have our things, you know. Have yeah. you been it's not, compromised? It's not a, yeah, it's not a uh, it's not a like a, a daily thing, you know, but we or maybe actually every once in a while we'll, you know, do a classic dick grab just to keep me on my toes. You mentioned that, Chris. That's actually a really good that's a really good like secret handshake if you think about it. Like who thinks to grab the other's dick as a secret handshake? <laughs> also, he could be like, you know, it feels different. This is an imposter. <laughs> that's he that's what I always hand. thought because because of the hand. way because of the way he pulls it away and looks at his hand so confused like <laughs> what the fuck? This, this is isn't not the Ivan's digital dick. handprint of Ivan. It's way too big. Testicles, right? He has one <laughs> testicle. <laughs> There's so many ways. This is the worst. Uh, but he's, uh, he's such a he's such a weirdo. But he does realize that it's obviously not Ivan. And what I do love is uh, he starts like beating the crap out of Snake, and it's it's a whole thing. And then the boss comes in like a fucking G, like she does, and she's like doing her thing, and and she like stay out of this and knocks over fucking Volgan and yeah. Snake tries to defend himself she fucks him up throws him too there's just what three dudes just like sprawled out on the floor and the boss is just sort of like yes. god damn it like I, I'm so like, tired of doing she's this king shit of the hill. she's so good queen of I the love hill. it oh yeah and I keep forgetting that uh, Volgan kneecaps uh, fucking Sokolov yeah, like when he, so, talks, he goes pop pop and just knocks yeah, him right in his knees that's oh the god. order Volgan kneecaps uh, Sokolov twice, right? right? He lays down, and then the boss comes in and is like, "What is this fairy disguise?" and puts him on the ground, right? Right. And right, then right, right. Uh, Volgan, for whatever reason, tries to get in on this, and she's like, "No, this is obviously not for you," and puts him on the ground. And then the camera just pans out to her standing there in her like combat stance, and every right. other male in the room just like it's groaning so and writhing on the floor. And then he it's gets glorious. up and goes like, "This is for Ivan." And he fucking brutally beats Snake. Holy shit. The, oh, yeah. When he headbutts him, the fucking crack noises, like how many times he hits him, there's like like spray and fucking blood and saliva. There's shit everywhere. Shit is and he's your Tarantino shit. fucking going to town. I don't understand. Like, it's a real question for me is how the fuck is Snake not dead at this point? 
Like, Cause he's snake. He's oh he's got God, his accolades man. leading mm-hmm. up to this. It's we already crazy. talked about that. I couldn't. I, I just couldn't believe it. And again, we we learned that uh, Volgan was like a boxer. So like he's well trained. Like he's not just some big old angry dude. Like he's he's well trained to like maximize the punishment <laughs> of what's going right. on. Plus he's got um, electricity, so we can add that to it. Yeah, and we learn ten million volts running through his body. Ten million. I know amps are where it gets dangerous, not voltage, but 10,000 volts fucking sucks. That's like a real problem. Um, But yeah, so anyway, um, the boss goes in and explains CQC real quick to be like, you know, Vulcan, get the fuck out. Like, I got this. And then she does like a walk away because she's tired of all the bullshit going on. And is this where she has like a little one off with Ocelot or is this after the torture scene? No, she's well, it's in the middle of the torture scene because... Volgan at this point makes it clear he's he's gonna have his fucking boxing session on Snake. Right. And uh, she decides she can't take it anymore so she walks to the door, the door opens and you see Ocelot there and she pauses, neither making eye contact with Ocelot nor looking back at what's happening to Snake. She right. just kind of averts her gaze. And then they have a moment and you see Ocelot just kind of looking at her without any expression on his face, really. He's just kind of taking in this moment. Yeah. And it just feels, I don't know, to me, it feels like a real moment of recognition between the boss and Ocelot, which I could be reading into because we know what their relationship is. Um, But I don't know. I always thought this moment was kind of poignant. Right. Yeah. We know something they don't pretty much, but they still have that connection. Right. In some way. Right. Papa's got a brand new bag. And it's not. <laughs> what? Um, so I love that it goes to a blank screen here. Mm-hmm. Solid black. And just the the subtitles come up. And you can tell that it's Volgan probably ripping into Sokolov. And eventually you just sort of hear like a pop. And Sokolov is, is dead. And I made a note. In my notes here, I was like, I forgot that Sokolov dies right here. Yeah. Yeah. And then I put, but does he? Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. So. As far as you then, know, he dies right here. Volgan. Volgan is a sick little puppy. He's a creep. And he, we don't know this yet, but he's gesturing over to Snake. And he's checking out his body, saying like that. He's like, oh, like a newborn baby. Like, he's just such a fucking... yucky. He's just such a weirdo. And uh, he does his best Bond villain act ever, right? Tells him about the 10 million volts. That it's like, that's still an amazingly high number. He's beating the fuck out of him. He goes into all the shit about everything. Like, it's such a great torture scene. Um and then we learn, you know, all about the philosopher's legacy. We learn about where he keeps it. Like he literally does like the you'll never find it in my secret vault. Here's the password. And like he basically just fucking says everything. And I guess <laughs> I guess he's an idiot. Like he doesn't fucking care. He thinks it's like super well, safe and mm-hmm. secure. We'll get to that later. Definitely. Yeah, but like in a telltale game, it's like Eva will always remember this. Yeah. How well, we Eva's feel? not the only one. Yeah, true. Uh, so how do we feel? about actually i like that you said that because of everybody that's in the room in that scene mm-hmm. that's interesting everybody else in the room but volgan all for different motives want that legacy mm-hmm. 
wow, that's fucking crazy. Yeah. Um, and everybody's on a different side too. Right. Yep. Right, right, right. Holy shit. That's well, I guess for that was really except cool. for well, well, don't say it. That's but arguable. You, yeah, <laughs> you, 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 for the time being, they may be on the same yeah. side, but the end, the end goal is not the same. Um, so yeah, so uh, this scene is fucking cool, man. Um, he finds the transmitter in him, and the boss like owns it and is basically like, I, uh, I put it in there because I wanted the, you know, the cobras to have the drop on him, and he's like, well, how, you know, how did he get rid of them then? Like it's like a whole thing, and uh, I love the tension in this scene. And if you guys will bear with me, cut out his eyes. I don't like those blue eyes of his. There's nothing more important to a soldier than his eyes. You made him a soldier and now you will unmake him. Yes, it'll make for a touching display. He's all yours. Do it! She gives a gesture to Eva. And Eva's like, don't do it. Don't do it. And we get, she goes over and she pulls out her dope-ass knife, right? And we all know that, you know, Big Boss has an eye patch moving forward after this game. And technically right. in some of the promo of this game. So... We're, we're all thinking it like, yeah, fuck, she's going to cut out his eye, right? Did, am I the only one that truly felt that way? Like, I was like, fuck, this is this is really going to fucking happen right now. Yeah. Did you guys think that? Am I the only one? No, I mean, oh, it was definitely. The, that's how Snake looked on the cover of the box, I believe. Yeah, it's right. The eye patch. And and the only the only thing I'll say, though, is it, I was like, it's the wrong eye. She's going after his left eye and the eye patches on the right eye. See, yeah. I never thought. I never even had the capacity to think that. I was just like, oh shit, this is it, right? Yeah. I was just so invested in this moment because it's yeah, really tense. It's you get so a bunch of good. different shots. You get the boss staring at Jack or Snake staring at the boss and then you get each of the reactions of everybody else, right? Right. And the knife is right there. You the quiver, like he's, you can hear him like like breathing, like just accepting oh, and it you, almost. Yeah, the the quiver, his whole lower jaw is shivering oh, at this am, point. It's amazing. And then the music is so good. The sound, like I just love every little piece of it. And you can tell everybody in the room is like, what the fuck is going to happen right now? Mm-hmm. And of course, Eva stops her. So it doesn't happen. Excuse me. Tatiana stops her. So, um, <laughs> so Snake doesn't get his eye stabbed out. So, mm-hmm. okay, good. I guess we're, we're doing great. So not so fast. And then, Lauren. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Ocelot comes up and tries to sort of like tough talk what's going on here. And he's trying to figure out Snake and he's going to pull his, you know, he's got the one bullet. He's going to do his little his little gun thing. Uh, he's super pervy with with Tatiana. He's like trying to get it, he tries to grab her again because he thinks she's the spy because she stopped him from, you know, from the boss doing her thing and. Morgan's just a, a fucking perv. Like, want to take her for a spin? Like, he's just such a, such a fucking perv. Um, but then, in the struggle, Ocelot is doing his thing to, you know, I guess, sort of, uh, maybe get some information or best snake, like whatever he's trying to get out of it. And he fires off a random shot while he, while Snake is trying to break out with Eva, and Ocelot fires a shot, and it. Whoosh, 
goes right through the side of Snake's face, thus making his rendering his right eye useless. Mm. And fuck, like this scene is so good. Every so now everything is done, mm-hmm. right? Boss goes up, leans in, and I think I'm gonna let Tori take this one. But I love this like little moment that they have. And what does the boss say to Snake? Oh man, this part is really chilling because you have the chance to hold down R1 at this point, right? Mm-hmm. And see the sorrow in the background giving you the... I'm pretty sure at this point that's the uh, radio frequency, 144.75. I think it's 75, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And um, while you're trying to pay attention to that, you've also got the boss staring at you. And it's it's silent. And she just looks you hard in the eyes and holds it there for a second and just says, run! Like, really intensely. You know what I mean? Like, it's... It's, it's so good. It's mom saying, you better get the fuck out of here if you want to live. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. it's just... Every time I've played that recently, it gives me a little bit of the goosebumps. It's just so serious. And, like, um, at that point, too, she... Pretty sure she takes the single action army... And she shoots you in the thigh with it mm-hmm. before or after she says that. I think it's before. She shoots you in the thigh with I, it and I, then she, she stares before, at you yeah. cold in the eye and says, run. Mm. And uh, that's so how good. you leave this cutscene, basically, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, well, so then Eva leans in and kind of says, like, I've mm. prepared an escape for you in the sewers of... Grozny grad, meet me here. I'll take care of it. You know what I mean? Like, so right. obviously she's in, involved. Um, but yeah, it's just very interesting how just like that entire dynamic, like this scene just has so many crucial characters to, I guess, the overarching story of this game, not just this moment that we learn later with everybody involved in this. So you have, you have Tatiana, sure. you have the boss, you have ocelot and snake in the room because what uh, volgan's like that was refreshing or something like when yeah, yeah and he just he gets shot and he's like because the boss is like you satisfied now you know what i mean like get the fuck mm-hmm. out of dodge um Bye-bye. it's just very yeah it's just such a such a weird fucking weird fucking moment but such a great scene and i do agreed love agreed because up to this point you don't know you think boss is totally defected she's not on your side she's never never going to have a moment of understanding with you again because of the way that you've encountered her up to this point. And then suddenly she's telling you to run and she's, she's handing you the single action army. She just shot you with. Right. Mm -hmm. So this is a major turning point. Oh yeah. And you're starting to learn like, what the fuck? Like what is actually going on between you and her and her motivations and what's happening here? Cause clearly she's helping you now. Right. Right. Like, clearly, she doesn't want Volgan to have his way with you like he would anyone else in exactly. this circumstance. Um, so, right. So, now, we are still captured, obviously. Eva mm-hmm. can't cut us up and get us out of there. So, we wake up in a jail cell. Mm-hmm. And we have a rather talkative and friendly guard sitting there. And did Here's anyone... Johnny! <laughs> yeah. So... We had talked about this before. I have done the Johnny scene before, but I did not do it during this playthrough. Mm-hmm. So if you guys want to go into it a little bit. Um, 
Sure. Just kind of talk about the Johnny scene and uh, a little bit of what's going on. Basically, I was stabbing rats and eating and doing my best. Um, so, yeah, feel free. Catch me up because I did not get to do the Johnny scene. Chris, well, since you saw it most recently. Yeah, so the Johnny scene is um, basically if you throw uh, the food back that he gives you, the guard, into the hallway through the door three times, then um, he will come over and be like, oh, well, I guess you're not such a bad guy after all. And then he starts talking to you. He's telling you like, oh, well, I uh, don't even understand why we have to have this war or this Cold War. Is, we, we used to be allies, you know. Right. Uh, I guess referring to World War II. And then he's like, you know, I, I even came from America. And it ha- he has like a kid and a wife back home, he said. Mm-hmm. And then Um, he shows you their picture. Yep. So, and that's like Johnny 2.0. And he says that all the kid, the firstborn sons in his family are named Johnny. Mm -hmm. For like like generation after generation. And Um, you know from Metal Gear Solid 1 and 2 that he carries on that tradition. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And on that picture too, Chris, uh, you get another... uh, moment to trigger the r1 mm-hmm. perspective yeah so you get you see that codec number 144.75 and i called it and it said no response interesting yeah when did you call it immediately after that cutscene. huh yeah um i guess i can understand why because if he's still strutting around and patrolling around the cell, it would not be an opportune time to call that frequency. You still have to wait for him to make an exit before you can feel really comfortable in calling that frequency. Mm. Because what you're waiting for is something that, in my experience, was actually triggered before you feed him the three times. And I knew this going in because I wanted to trigger it, but... If you're just really not understanding how to get out there, out of the uh, jail cell, and you hadn't seen the Sorrows little message for you in the previous cutscenes, this is another chance for you to understand a way to get out. So if you feed your food that Johnny is making available to you to him, if you throw it back out there to him three times, then he'll show you the picture of his family with that frequency. And if you wait for him, I think you have to feed him one more time, honestly, or you just have to wait for enough time to pass. Uh, but eventually he will run to the bathroom again. Right. Yeah. And then that's the time to use the 144.75 frequency. Oh. Um, so I just wasn't being patient enough, I guess. Right. Right. Yeah, and I, I did the cheapy... Snake is dead. Hmm. Fake death pill. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's eventually how I got out of there. I would, yeah. though, I want to touch for a moment if I could. I know we're pretty mm-hmm. deep into this, but we're near the end. Yeah. And I would like to talk about repetition in Metal Gear mm-hmm. because yeah. you have this torture sequence that we just got out of, and that's mm-hmm. very obviously a repetition of Metal Gear Solid. And then you have this jail scene. Which is very obviously 
a repetition of that jail scene from one or two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With the catch up. Right. But the games kind of like have this pattern to them, right? It's like a Mega Man game. You advance mm-hmm. your progress towards the end by defeating these bosses. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So it's very old school in that way, which is pretty interesting. But it also has like a cinematic thing too, where like you think of a big criticism of the Disney Star Wars when it was reboot is like, oh, well, this is just a new hope, but with different characters. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's interesting to me that we regard Metal Gear Solid 3 as this very great game. It's like a tribute to Metal Gear and how good it is as a series. But if you apply it in a different context, you get mm-hmm. this very negative reaction out of it. Well, yeah, because uh, in a, a strictly formulaic sense, it's no different than one or two, really. Right. You have You have your big boss battles that are all kind of structured the mm-hmm. same way but in a in a sense of story and in a sense of new mechanics of gameplay it kind of did break the mold mm-hmm. so i can see why in a lot of ways you have people favoriting metal gear solid 2 or metal gear solid 3 or even metal gear solid 4 mm-hmm. because that even introduces a new level of gameplay well, and yeah. on to five even i mean you can have this argument about every new installment each one improves in some way but it'll never capture mm-hmm. all of what i think we in this community specifically consider to be yeah. some of the key dynamics of a really great game and i think if these games had parallels you know Metal Gear solo would be final fantasy 7 Right, the classic okay. that everybody loves. Metal Gear Solid sure. 2 is like Final Fantasy 8, which still has a very hardcore fan base, but is very often misunderstood, I think. And then sure. 9 and Metal Gear Solid 3. And 9 is just a return to like the classic formula. It's bringing back mm-hmm. every aspect mm. of Metal Gear through its rich history going back to the Nintendo. And that's what 9 did as well for Final mm. Fantasy. You know, it's interesting it's, how it's you a put it that way. To like, this is the last chapter of this era of this series. Mm-hmm. I like that. I'm, I never thought about seven, eight, and nine that way. I definitely was prepared when we get to like the wrap up of the the extreme parallels between this and the first game. Yeah, like even mm-hmm. story beats. Oh yeah, um, we we got to go real deep into that, don't we? Yeah, because I think it is like a ten minute just straight up I could present like let's get a PowerPoint out here and let me <laughs> just go through each of the parallels like even when it happens in the game um, so yeah so we all got out of the um, out of the jail pretty straightforward I would assume mm-hmm. which was great um, no no real struggle other than at least you know Chris but Chris got his way out with the pill um, so two things you can do is obviously you can find some stuff even though you're a quote-unquote naked snake uh, as far as you don't have much but if you're smart, you can get SIG gas spray here and you can use that to help defend yourself. Or what I did is there's a cardboard box you can grab out in Grozny Grad once you're out of the detention center mm-hmm. and you can use that to hide as well. Now, I don't know how you guys, I checked some of the notes. I'm telling you right now, I didn't care if it took me 25 minutes. I fucking hid in every goddamn corner under a <laughs> tank 
everywhere. I did not want to get caught in this moment because I hate like having nothing to just, I just have to run. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, and it's I had super a couple times was like, yeah, like that's the dogs would two. find me. Yeah, the dogs would find me, but they would only bark. So the guards would be drawn to the attention yeah. of the dog, not me. So that's I was able to. one of two to, methods for sure. Yeah. And it took me a while, but like I said, I think I had a guy ca almost catch me and I crawled back under the tank and he went over there and I just ran <laughs> around him like, Jesus Christ, like, I just got to get out of here. But I, I love it. Um, this is like a really, again, it's like backtracking, but it's not. Like It's really fucking cool. And the intent is to get to the sewers. So how did everybody else do with getting to the actual like sewer hatch? Mm, well, like I said before, I knew exactly where to go to get there. So it was only a matter of taking out whoever was in my way. So that was pretty much the opposite of your experience there, Warren. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would well, again, just... I know, I know I, Groznygrad really well. So that's like I the had a, part I uh, feel so confident. Well, and I knew where to go. I knew where my destination was. So I just looked on the map and, and figured out how to get there. And I had a fork equipped pretty much yeah. the whole time. And you can kill people with forks. You definitely Although, can. Although I will say I never killed a dog. I kicked... And and knocked out dogs. That's it. <laughs> hey, it worked though. I'm proud of you. And what about you, Chris? How'd it go for you? Well, uh, I really struggled here, and I gotta tell you, uh, I kind of just made it across the finish line in caution mode. Sure. Like roll, doing a roll dive, whatever you call it, into that gate under the pipes. And yeah, sure. Because <laughs> uh, I got you're stuck here in this situation, and all you have is a pistol with no ammo in it at first, right. and then you have mm -hmm. the cigarettes, or at least in my case, in Tori's case, we had the cigarettes, right? Um, and the cigarettes, you can't get it to go off quick enough because you have no camo or anything before right. the guards sure. recognize you. They recognize you straight up because you're naked. Oh, yeah. You're a yeah shirtless man with camo on. Yeah. The camo pants on. It's funny <laughs> that like his code name is Naked Snake because naked is the worst camo situation to Absolutely. be in, Right? Oh, it is the worst. And it's like bad for your stamina. It's bad for everything. Yeah. You can catch a cold. I caught a mm. cold here. Oh, um, did you? Yeah. I caught a cold what? because I was like trying to evade and run away from the guards. And uh, like the guys with the shields kept coming at me. So I was just throwing, all I had was smoke grenades and I was throwing smoke grenades and like running past them to get through them. But, um, it works, it works with the, when you're naked, you know, you're exposed and it was at night and it was cold. <clears throat> so I guess I just caught a cold and I kept sneezing and I didn't have any cold <laughs> oh, medicine. So it kept alerting the guards. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. Oh my God. So That's amazing. I got to a point where I found some ammo and I was able to, um, uh, take out everybody by hiding under the tanks but eventually nice. i ran out of ammo again and i was like fuck this i just gotta run for it so i like threw yeah, out dude. some smoke grenades on both ends they went off and it was enough for me to like just run past and dogs were chasing me and i jumped and i dived yes. under and i gotta tell you having done that it made a lot more sense that there were dogs chasing me in the next section when we get there yeah 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 but so it does make sense so, right, so we're climbing down to get into the sewers, and you get a coda call. And Eva basically, <laughs> she goes like, hey, you're not in the sewers yet, are you? And you're like, I just got here. 
She's like, uh, well, they're they're closed off, so our escape is totally fucked, uh. my dude. So we're gonna have to figure something out. So, but I do like it. She's like, just head north. If you can get there, you can get away, but you have to move like as fast as you can. And uh, this is, I mean, it's a pretty straightforward area, but I do love that you can like. There's ways to go from the left and the right of the actual like sewer canals where you could like hide and tuck in on the right hand side and then sneak back in back to the main tunnel or maybe leave the left hand side and come back in so you can dodge pretty effectively so if like a dog finds you but you can slide under they'll just bark they won't know where you technically are if you're fast enough to get away they might notice you're there but and the guards won't raise alert or anything because they don't actually know they just know the dog's barking um did anybody else like have any like real struggles with this? It can be very annoying because it is incredibly linear and you can't just walk straight up the tunnel. Like you have to go left or right to eventually get there. But you can use multiple like each path almost I think works on both sides, except the last one you have to go through the right hand side where the guards are. Um, but did anybody struggle with getting to the end of this tunnel or anything? No. Nope. Good. It's pretty straightforward, really. Smoke All grenades right. are good for the dogs. Um, oh sure that's a good point i never even made it that far that's a good tip yeah i just kind of kicked my way through them sorry Peter. <laughs> i do have a question about this cut scene after we get through that though yeah let's do it let's talk about let's talk about so we are running to the end of the tunnel and you know we're seeing dogs chasing us we're seeing guards are coming up and everybody walks up and basically it's the fugitive and Ocelot walks up and is calling you out, you know, having a conversation with you about everything that's going on here. And uh, yeah, talk, talk it out, Chris, because I, I, I think we're going to I think we're going to have similar questions here. Well, in my opinion, Kojima took a scene from Mission Impossible and hit copy <laughs> and then went over to the video game and hit paste. Right here. What? What? Mission Impossible, the TV show? I think the movie, right? There's a sewer scene. In, in, am I dreaming? Oh, this? I'm sure I there is. I know there's a sewer scene in, uh, or I guess a ventilation scene in The Fifth Element, but that's just wishful thinking on my part. I mean, there's an awesome CIA scene where he's breaking mm -hmm. in through the vents. I'm trying to think if there is one in Mission Impossible. I, the only one that comes to mind to me is The Fugitive. When it's Harrison Ford at the end and he's saying, I didn't kill my wife. And Tommy Lee Jones is like, I don't care. Like, I'm just trying to get you. And he goes, oh, my God, he got he Peter Pan right off. Like, I remember that scene. I don't know if I can think of a Mission Impossible one. I'm not I'm like an expert of those movies, but I know I'm well enough. I don't know if I can think of one, especially before 2004, because there was only two of them at that point. Uh, the third one didn't come out to like, I think, 05 or 06, maybe 07. Yeah, I, I, re I distinctly remember... Uh, I think my parents took me to see this awful movie or something. I don't know. I don't know that was awful, but I was really young and very uninterested in this movie. And I sure. fell asleep and I woke up and there was like Tom Cruise standing in like <laughs> the end of a sewer. And there was like guards chasing him. And it was like a big impossible fall to the bottom. And there was a helicopter they were like, we have you surrounded. And then he just like jumped and then I fell back asleep. That sounds 
very right. suspiciously like the fifth element, something we might cover in a PC later. Yeah, I don't she know, does maybe. that too. It's just not a, it's like a trash tunnel. Mm. But yeah, I wish I knew it, man. I wish I could help you with that. I can't think of it. I'm going to research can, this. Maybe I'm dreaming I, it or something. I can totally give you the fifth element uh, scene. That's just like that. I mean, it's pretty much. <laughs> maybe it was the fifth element. Move for move. Misremember. Mis- misremembering yeah, you know, I mean I don't know in what Tom world Tom Cruise is actually Mila Jovovich sorry yeah, um, bright orange <laughs> hair I just remember it was it was the early 90s and I was not involved with this movie so it's still yeah, tracks we'll have to figure it out because I 90s. love the first Mission Impossible and I just I don't think there's a, a sewer scene in there but either way um, so yeah so this scene is, is pretty dope what, I'm, what I, I still am trying to figure out is Everything that has to do with Ocelot and this, you know, he's got the bullet on his necklace. He wants to put that in the gun, right? And we know what this bullet, I guess, is later because right. we, we, it, how the game ends. But the thing about it is, is I, I just don't understand what tension is there for Ocelot to do this other than misdirection for us as being gamers of like oh shit he could get shot like why isn't there bullets in the gun already i well you know what i mean i have an answer to this and it's maybe it's not acceptable by all but i actually applauded this scene because i love ocelot's commitment to besting snake here at this Mm. point to my count he's been bested by snake twice and his ego is bruised And he just want, and you know him, he's leaving his bullets to chance. He's done this with Ocelot and he's done this with, well, I guess it's just, uh, I'm sorry. He is Ocelot. He's done this with, um, Sokolov, right? Mm -hmm. At this point. Mm -hmm. Yep. He's the only one that he's done this with, I think. But at this point he's established, you know, he likes to rely on chance when he can. And I think. For whatever reason, he wants to rely on Chance with Snake because he knows that he can learn from Snake. So taking a a cheap shot at him as he's falling down a waterfall, essentially. Yeah, I I I guess guess. he's just he's like, I've been waiting for this and nobody interfere. Like, I don't know. It just. Well, yeah, because if somebody just shoots him. Before he gets to have his little game of chance, his little gamble. Really, what it comes down to is Ocelot is Ocelot is a, a, a gambling addict. Right, but what we learn later, I guess, is like, was this to make sure Snake lives? Maybe, like, maybe. You know what I mean? I don't maybe, know. Just... Yeah, maybe that's it for him. Maybe he just wants to know if he could get the upper hand on Snake, and by feeding this what we know is a blank into it, he would know without affecting the mission. You know what I mean? If we really, sure. really want to read into it, that could be an explanation. But I th- I prefer to think of this as, at this point, Ocelot is just pissed off. He's gotten bested by this dude. So he's saving the bullet that was ejected, um, that was attempted to be ejected manually out of his gun when he fucked up. Right. In my mind, it was always that same bullet that misfired, right? Mm-hmm. Correct. And he saved that to feed into his gun, but of course it would be a different bullet, so that doesn't really track. That's um, Yeah, it's just, I get the motif. I just don't know if I get the literal motivations of Ocelot in this scene, um, other well, than I to think... preserve the life of Snake to get. But again, I don't think he expected him to dive off either. 
No, you know, I don't I know. Think like <laughs> he wanted to have his showdown with Snake. He wanted to have his his little dramatic moment where he came out on top. I think that's a hundred percent his motivation. Where did. his okay. strategy came in, I don't think was Holy perfectly shit. thought out. Guys, I'm what? I have I'm so sorry to interrupt, but I have to show you something. I found oh, no. it. You found it? I found the the movie that my parents took me to see when I was four. <laughs> Four years old? Yeah. And oh my god. I'm gonna I did not expect that. Okay, I'm gonna post the link and Warren, I want you to play a little snippet of this if possible. Okay. Um and if you wanna watch like holy shit, watch this and then picture the cutscene in your mind. So let me see where I am because I have to redirect it. Yeah. Dude, oh. this is the movie I'm talking. This is the fugitive. You don't like the fugitive? Well, I was four. I didn't give a shit about the fugitive. This is the okay. fugitive. Whoa! Wow, that was, dude. This is this is an, a legendary scene. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go back and watch this movie now that I'm old enough to appreciate it. But that's totally what this is like. These film references that Kojima is pulling. This is right. definitely one of them. Copy paste. Oh, that yeah. is. Boom. This is scene an amazing. For scene. Yeah this this scene's amazing. Like this, this is like one of the best lines of the movie right here. He puts the gun down to show that he's in, you know, he wants to do it. And he says. They show the dam. They show him juking off the dam. Such a good shot. <laughs> it's so goofy there at the end. Yeah. But yeah, we are well, looking at this 90s. wrong. We're trying to assess it as a moment of Kojima's Kojima creativity. Kojima really liked this so much yeah. so that he put it in his Yeah, it's not, it's not Kojima writing a moment that's supposed to be fitting for the game. It's Kojima delivering fan service. To this movie, mm-hmm. sure, but also, yeah, that's, it really works that, in that context. I think. Oh, it really does, and that's a great dude. Uh, just for your sake, Chris, if we even need to like assign it to a PC or something like that's The Fugitive is a great movie. It's really good, and that's definitely the scene I was talking about. So I'm glad at least we're on the right page because I'm like, hold on a minute, like <laughs> there's like one legendary standing at the end of a tunnel scene with a gun. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so I'm glad, and of course, a four year old would not care about the fact that. Uh, Richard Kimball didn't kill his wife. It was the one-armed man. Is that famous line? It wasn't me. It was the one-armed man. Is from that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so right. So, Ocelot's motives are a little odd, but we will get to that when we get to like later story moments. And it does make sense that he does want to like best him in a sense, but he still doesn't get the satisfaction because Snake just Peter Pan's right off. Yeah. So he, he doesn't does. even get a chance, and he does fire a couple shots and realizes that the next shot would have been the bullet. So he didn't get to fire the shot that he wanted. Uh, we land in a river and we are under the water. We are, you know, stuff's going on where I guess we're, I don't know, we're, we're sort of, uh, blacking out, I guess. And we wake up and the entire riverbed is in flames. So very desolate, uh, very dreary. It looks yeah. a lot like the riverbed you take to 
the warehouse. Right. Except, yeah, except all in flames. You're absolutely right. right. So earlier, earlier in a previous episode, we were talking about using the crock cap. It almost feels exactly mm-hmm. the same. We're trudging through where it almost waist deep water and it begins to rain. And we get to meet who, as we keep talking about this, is like slowly becoming like my favorite character of the Cobras. Mm-hmm. We meet sure. the sorrow. And if you guys will let me indulge, you got it. I love his intro. <laughs> Death brings sorrow. He's, I don't know, it's just such a really cool layer of the other end of it. So like the Fury sort of talks about it. He says, I'm off to join the sorrow, right? So basically what we're learning about him is that they carry their emotions into battle. And when battle has won, you become one with the sorrow. And we'll go into it later of what that means. And they actually do discuss it a little bit later in the game. And we'll definitely talk about that in a later story episode. But as of right now, we know he's super important to the boss. He cries blood. Um, And it's a very unique boss fight. Now, chances are my version of the boss fight was the easiest. So I'll go first. Um, But you basically are trudging very slowly through this waist high water river with a desolate world on all sides outside of just your only able to move forward. And the sorrow is floating around and I only had eight people show up in my battle. Mm-hmm. So I had all of the Cobras and show all up. of the hover guards and all of the hover guards. Um, so we'll go, I'll let you guys go a little more into it, but it gets a little heady, and I, I do. I definitely want to talk a little bit more about this. But Chris, how was your ghost dad experience? Well, <clears throat> it was long. It's a very long yeah. <laughs> walk. Uh, yeah, I think I counted like at least two hundred and thirty. Oh my god! I think yeah, it was this a lot of people. Absolutely. Yeah, it was, it, it's like your health kind of gets zapped or stamina gets zapped when you touch them. So mm-hmm. it's a, mm-hmm. it's a game of like trying to avoid the guards, but it's very difficult to do that. But at the same time, you don't really have to if you know what's coming. Yeah. Unless you have a desire for a particular item. So, Tori. Oh, okay, fair. Walk me through... Walk me through a little bit about how this fight goes and how it went for you. So, like, what are the mechanics of this fight and then also how to go for you? Sure. The mechanics of this fight are holding forward on the left joystick. (laughs) 
um, sometimes taking it a little to the left or a little to the right. Um, if you want to, to have the full extent of the walk, you will walk to the left and right, avoiding um, A, all of the bodies you slaughtered along the way, and B, a little volt of, I don't know, um, petrification that the sorrow sends your way. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are not particularly concerned with getting to the end of it and you know uh, how to end this fight, you can just let those bodies you have reaped from this plane take their little soul's kiss from you mm-hmm. and you can let that little petrification get to you and you can end this battle a little more quickly. Mm-hmm. That's right. Oh, what is that? So, so yeah, so the Cobras all show up because they have microbombs in them, which you'll hear about in the baddies episode. So uh, you cannot not kill them. Oh, mine showed up. Mine showed I up. Only, I only see the end. Interesting. Mm. I did I not don't get know that. Why, I don't know why you see all of them, but I only see the end because so he's weird. the only one yeah, I, I can never... I have all four Cobras. That's so weird. Mm. Yeah, so I had yeah. all four Cobras and then four soldiers is what I had in my playthrough. Um, had, maybe I need to try this again. And all the Cobras. Yeah. I had a bunch of guards, a bunch of scientists, too. <laughs> oh, no, I remember. Chris, <laughs> I remember Chris. you like walking us through, like, we were almost at the end. There's scientists from Groznygrad yeah. now. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, man. But, yeah, so so this is a fascinating character. Like, I love Ghost Dad and everything about him. And the boss fight is, is very interesting, and it, it's that fresh way of the burden of sorrow, the land of the dead, right? And... After my first playthrough, I'll, I'll measure it to you guys because the sorrow also has like that like beam attack. He can like shoot something at you like from his like sort of chest area. And am I yeah, the only one who you. thought who thought about um, Donnie Darko during this? No, that's exact. That's exactly what I thought about. But the added bonus is that once it reaches you, you get a little. Ah! Yeah, and the and the, like, so, the, like, the, if you're the playing jump scare of his like sweet ass artwork face. yeah <laughs> yeah it's um it sure is fun so like if you're opting to end this battle as soon as you can you can just let that hit you a bunch but you have to deal with that noise every time yeah and it's loud it's effective <laughs> it is. jesus uh a little fun fact is if you save during this boss fight it will label the area like it normally tells you where you saved it'll label it as question mark mm-hmm. um if you know, uh, so legend has it, this is not technically uh, confirmed, but they say that um, within the Sorrow's face is a distorted version of Kojima uh, at, the oh, time, yeah. at the time of making it. So I'd it's not that. necessarily confirmed just because there's no way to truly confirm it, but it was something, and we all know that he is always trying to find ways to sneak himself into his games. So I could see that. Um, did, he really is a little Tarantino head, isn't he? Yeah. He's, he's got a little nar, narcy, narciness to him. Um, so when it came to understanding how to survive the fight and how to get through this fight, did everybody truly understand like what the hell was going on in the moment? Not, not the first time I played this. Certainly not. And even not the first time I came back to it from years. I forgot how to end this fight. Yeah. 
Same. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, yeah, I understood what, what was happening technically when I came back to it from a break, but I couldn't remember how to end it exactly. Hmm. I'm on the same page, uh, especially the first time I played this. I, I think I played the boss fight like two or three times. Like I didn't, it didn't process for me because I didn't do the fake death pill thing with Johnny in my right. first playthrough, right? Like I, I knew that you could probably utilize that in some other manner, but to make it exclusively a story related thing, I did notice that the snake is dead screen is different than the normal snake is dead screen. So they do draw really? attention to it. Yeah. Like very subtle, but enough for you to realize that maybe something's off because you normally don't get the bottom saying something like, oh, you know right. what I mean? Something else. From... Yeah. The text sort of shows up. So that's another thing too. You said if you save here, there's a yeah. little something different, but also if you just call your support team, anybody from your support team should clue you into the fact that this is not something normal. Yeah. They're all doing mm -hmm. your death snake snake. Like they all think yeah. you're dead, uh, which is, kind of cool because you are in the land of sorrow and i don't know mm -hmm. i really dug it but i was confused uh but i knew it was a kojima game so i knew there was something special here but uh but eventually i did learn and if you get to the end you you literally get to the end of the river and you can sort of you know quote unquote touch his body the sorrow's body and when you do that you still die like you normally would um you just use the fake death pill or i guess the revival pill to bring yourself back Right. And because you can't trank him or anything. But if you get to the end, you are rewarded with the spirit camo. And we'll go into what that does in future episodes. But it sort of just shows up in your inventory, which is really cool. It's like um, he, he sticks it in your little pocket. Yeah, because he can. Right. He's yeah. the sorrow. He can do that shit. Um, so is there anything else we want to tie in with this? Like this is basically where we're going to end our our gameplay and much like the last time we recorded this holy shit this is a long one guys so you're welcome if you like longer ones sorry if you don't <laughs> <laughs> but is there anything else we want to add before we uh we finish up here as far as story bits actually yeah i do want to say a couple things mm -hmm. one mm -hmm. for you chris specifically okay. and i assume for alessio um i wrote in my notes hashtag river walk with me <laughs> <laughs> oh funny never yeah. heard that never heard that I before made, i made a funny anyway um there was something i had paid more to, more attention to this playthrough than uh, i had previously yeah which is a couple lines by the sorrow while you're walking through this sure yeah um, please do he says uh, something i don't i can't remember at which point but he starts to say something like you no, your sons, your sons' sons, you will all be killed by your own sons. Mm. And it's just just that little itty bit of, of foreshadowing that we get from a prequel that's really satisfying at this kind of moment, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, yeah, go ahead, Chris. I would just say violence begets violence, right? Yeah. So indeed, just because Snake thinks he's a breaker of this chain, he's really just a part of it. Right. Oh, of course. Definitely. I know that feeling. So, yeah, guys, that's going to wrap up another story focused episode of Metal Gear Monday's Revengeance. 
thank you so much for listening again. It was a long one. Uh, somehow we still got it to be as long as last time. But uh, <laughs> wherever you guys listen, if you do have an opportunity to rate and review us, we absolutely appreciate it. It goes a long way with the algorithm. If you want to reach out to current or previous hosts, you can go to MetalGearMondays.com. You can get us at Facebook and Instagram at Metal Gear Mondays. You can go to Twitter at Metal Gear Monday. Please, if you guys have an opportunity, shout out our Patreon. These guys are awesome. For a buck a month, you can get into the Discord, which is a community that we are starting to build. We have a monthly game club now. We're able to celebrate each other's creations. We're doing Twitch. We're doing live streams all the time. Seems like daily there's at least one going on across the yeah. board with either one of our, our team members or literally some of the hosts here are streaming. Um, so we'd absolutely appreciate it for just a buck a month. And there's some extra stuff. We do extra podcasts. If you do any more, we do our show notes. There's a lot of opportunities out there for just more content. And we definitely talk about more than Metal Gear. We just know we know our audience. So we're going to still give you guys the goods as we keep yeah. doing this. But there's a lot more to talk about out there outside of this as well. Because this has also had a lot of influences as well as Metal Gear has influenced other game designers. But with that said... Chris, where can they find you on the internet? Y'all can find me on the Discord. You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at Chris Hampton II. And Tori, what about you? Uh, you can find me on the Discord, Twitter, and Instagram at Young Neil. Uh, you can find me on Facebook if you want at at. Everybody uses app for Facebook, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, Tori Cortez is how you'll find me. Um, you won't find any posts or anything though, so have fun looking at a picture of my uh, my lovely creation drawn by Sean in my cover photo and a picture of Daniel Lazarski nice. <laughs> as my profile picture. It's <laughs> nice. about all you'll see. Yeah, you guys can find me at Warren Minix pretty much everywhere. If you're looking for gamer tags, I'm Untaggable Gamer. And uh, I am part of a, a band, Spooky Forest. If you want to find us, we're at Spooky Forest Band. Uh, we do have an album out on Spotify. Dragons used to live here. We appreciate a listen and some feedback. With that being said, y'all, I think we have wrapped up another episode. And I think it's time to let a rip, Jack.